Hello, and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We are 50 episodes old today, and we have got a massive episode to help us celebrate this massive milestone. We are doing a double movie review today. We're reviewing two Netflix original films, Enola Holmes, starring Millie Bobby Brown, and The Devil All the Time, starring Tom Holland and many, many others. We're very excited about that. We have tons of movie news to get you caught up on because it's been two weeks since our last episode. We've got a mystery game with me playing the role of Game Master this week. And we are going to wrap up the show by bringing back top five and doing our top five favorite films ever. Let's do it. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Let me unmute Kirk. Please do. Hello, Please Kirk. Do. Wow. Hello. Wow. 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 Rocky start. You would have Rocky. thought episode 50 you have me unmuted at the right time. No, there was a lot going on there. I mean, I was flashing back to my live radio days. I was, I was freaking out for a second. Whew. <laughs> But we did it. We're here. And yeah, episode 50, of course it's going to be bumpy. We still have some, we don't have any idea what we're doing. No, we're no, 50 no, episodes no. in. We don't even, we, it's like, it might as well be episode one. I mean, this is absurd. You know, we'll um, probably be this way in episode 5,000. So <laughs> yeah, like legit strap in everybody. That's right. We're just, this is uh we just dive headlong into it unprepared into the unknown. And that's, you know, that's what, that's what works. So yeah, with your co-host Kirk, Hello. I am your other co-host, Cam, and like we've already alluded to, this is our 50th episode. We are like Sally O'Malley in SNL. We're 50. <laughs> five oh, Book them, Dano. We're 5 <laughs> Yes, we and are. We can kick, stretch, and kick. We can do all of those things. <laughs> so It's wild. It's wild that we're here at 50. I know. It's, uh, it's crazy. It, had the coronavirus not happened, we would have been here sooner because we That's switched true. out from That's weekly exactly episodes. Right. But I feel like I feel like we're we're amateur pros if that's a thing. Yeah. No, that's totally that a make, thing. That, yeah, uh, we're pros at being amateurs. Antithesis. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Professional amateurs. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. I like it. I think I think we're figuring it out. I think we're you know we're starting to get the, get around the learning curve now that we're fifty episodes into it, but. Yeah, we're like three episodes with video now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 47. Yeah, exactly. 48, 49, 50. Yeah. And math. Great. Yeah. 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 What, well, what do we got? What do we got going on today? A lot, Kirk. We've got a lot. I hope you did your homework um, because we are reviewing two films, both Netflix original films, both films with star studded casts. I mean, we're going to be talking about actors like Millie Bobby Brown, Henry Cavill. Robert Pattinson, Tom Holland, Bill Skarsgård, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Sebastian Stan. I mean, we're letting it fly. We're going hard in the paint. Helena Bottom Carter. Okay, we didn't. We're we're not messing around. We came we came to ball today. I remember right? when that that Ryan Reynolds movie came out. And I don't remember the title of it. 
Or maybe it was Triple Frontier. Maybe it was Triple Frontier. Oh, no, 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 no. His was uh, Six Underground. Six Underground. They're like, we got this actor and this actor and this actor and this actor. I was like, wow, that's a lot of star power. That's pretty impressive. But like, they just continue to blow it out of the water with with, uh, A-list celebrities in their films. Mm -hmm. Netflix does. And they really showed it here in, in both of these films that we watched this past week. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. And we'll talk a little bit about the state of the theater industry in, in a bit. But I think, you know, there's a lot of things not going in the direction of the theater industry right now, but a big one, and probably the one that people predicted more so than a global pandemic is that Netflix is just upping the ante in a major way. And and Amazon and Apple TV Plus, I guess, HBO Max are like right behind them. I mean, there's a really good original content, film content, award quality content coming out of those streaming platforms. So, um, yeah, I mean, what's funny about this is like you used to watch movies on Netflix that were originals and you'd be like, ah, that felt like a Netflix original. These days, dude, there's, you can't tell, (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. I mean? It's, these are theater quality films. These are, these are good, well-made. I mean, it doesn't look like, Netflix's bargain bin hunting. It looks like they're the big studio on the block. So, um, yeah, it's exciting. It is exciting. It's a different age, no doubt. And it's happened so fast. Yeah. I wonder if we will ever see a, a Netflix studios, original film show up on the big screen. You know, so mm-hmm. Amazon mm-hmm. started it with Manchester by the sea. Could we see something similar happen? I don't know because they also save a lot of money by not distributing that out that way. So it's true. Yeah, and Reed Hastings, Reed Hastings is, uh, who's, uh, you know, CEO or, or president or whatever of Netflix has been pretty bullish on streaming and less so on theaters. Netflix bought a few theaters last year so that they could do the Oscar screening eligibility requirements. Um, yep. And so people were like, oh, is this the future for Netflix? Are they going to buy theaters and, and, kind of dip their toes in both waters. And I was reading an article where Reed Hastings was like, nah, man, <laughs> that ain't us. We're, we did it to do it. And now we're full bore on, on streaming. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see yeah. where that goes. He just checking his requirement boxes. He's like, well, I just want to mm-hmm. get some Oscars. So yeah, that's exactly. All. Cause Oscars equal dollars and he's all about the dollars. Mm-hmm. All right. Besides movie reviews, which is what we always do, we're also going to get you caught up in what's popping. That's another thing that we've done since day one. We've got a huge movie news week, well, slash two weeks. It's been two weeks, so some big stories. Some big stories dropping today, man. I mean, this this industry never stops. I mean, even with COVID going on and like no movies in theaters, there are big time movie stories breaking day after day. So we're going to get you caught up on all of those, even though it's going to take some time. We want to make sure. You guys are up to date. Um, we're bringing back top five, Kirk. We what? switched to schoolyard pick in December of last year, which was like, I mean, we were probably only like 20 episodes in or something like that at that point. Right. But we are switching back to top five for old time's sake. Once only. I'm only committing to it once. One night but, only. Uh- <laughs> yeah. And it's not just any top five, Kirk. It's not just any top five. This is the granddaddy of them all. This is top five favorite movies. I have two responses to this. First, it felt like going back to an old friend because when you said top five, I was like, oh, yeah, I could do top five in my sleep. So (laughs) I I didn't even differentiate the the schoolyard pick versus top five. Uh, Second emotion, um, picking five of your favorite movies is an impossible task because – 
the rate at which you and I watch movies and films, <laughs> I have no idea what I watched. I looked at a list. I'm trying to watch um, like uh, the top 100 AFI movies. And I looked at a movie and I was like, that's checked off. What happened in that movie? And I had to like <laughs> look up the synopsis. I'm like, oh, yeah. You know, so it's like this is an unfair battle, uh, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, we definitely will. I'll, I'll make some distinctions, too. Remember, it's top five favorite movies, so I don't want to hear any, like, well, objectively and and scientifically, these are the five best films. No, the top five favorites. These are the ones that you want to put on. These are the ones that you want to watch or ones that made an impact on your life. Another thing is, and at the risk of, like, demeriting exactly the whole thesis of this top five, like, it's, I mean, you could ask me tomorrow and it might, it might be different to be honest with you. So I'll just give that caveat, but no, I mean, I feel good about my picks. There might be some last minute changes. I don't know, man. It's, it's going to be tough. Yeah. Maybe we'll have some, I mean, if we share, that would be pretty crazy if we actually share one. Cause in top five, remember, unlike schoolyard pick, you can actually share. Um, so I'll be shocked if that's the case, but stranger things have happened. That's right. And then Kirk, I am putting on your game master hat, which you have worn with such esteem and with such stoicism and glory. I am stealing it from you so that I can surprise you with a game today. A game? That's right. A game. <sighs> and it's a game that you don't even know what it is or how it will work. I, I think I feel the anxiety you get week to week with oh me, so. dude it's it's killer right it just hits you right in your gut you're like oh no i'm gonna make a fool of myself in front of everyone mm -hmm. um well good luck and and godspeed and, and may the odds be ever in your favor <laughs> but man we got no time to waste right should we get let's, to it let's do it let's roll through this. all right let's do movie news let's get let's get what's popping let's get let's pop it up Woo. All right, we're gonna start with <laughs> our new favorite movie, our new favorite movie news segment that we have every week, which is all the movies that have been delayed. You ready? Yes, because <laughs> <laughs> it can they continue to roll in. This one to me is the biggest gut punch. You'll have to let me know which one of these films is the biggest for you. But Dune, Dune for me hit me like a ton of bricks because it was in the December window, and so I thought. Maybe there's a chance, but they delayed it to October of 2021. That's like a full year. That's almost yeah, a full year. It is. It is. I, I don't understand why that one has to go that far. I mean, I know it's the same thing they did to uh, West Side Story, which like I didn't care. I mean, I love West Side Story, the original, but I didn't care as much about the, the remake or whatever. But still, like a full year is an insane amount of time. Right, because like with West Side Story, you already have a masterpiece, uh, so it's like, well, you know, the the remake will be something just kind of fun. But with Dune, the original is a disaster, so you're expecting a disaster piece. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, dude, trademark that right now. Um, so you're expecting just pure gold. Anything is better than that original. Right. With uh, with if it's not a steaming pile of hot garbage, then it will yeah. be better. So exactly. yeah, it doesn't. It, it already looks better than the original. So that it one does. hurts. Yeah. Um, no time to die. This was big. This one sent major shockwaves through the whole industry. No time to die moves from its November release to Easter weekend, twenty twenty one. Yeah. No. Um, right behind it, <laughs> the Fast and the Furious read the tea leaves and they said, "We're out. We're going <laughs> to Memorial Day, um, so that we can be after No Time to Die." 
Um, and then two DC films, The Batman and Black Adam, both moved to 2022. So there's good news and bad news with this. I mean, I read an article earlier today that said blockbuster films will literally be flooding the theaters in 2021 and 2022 when we get this thing under control, which is great. But for now, it hurts. And that sort of segues into, well, first of all, I I need to follow up my question. Which of those five hits the hardest for you? I got to say, it really comes down to the James Bond movie yeah, because I as I've discussed, I have been watching all the James Bond movies in, uh, in chronological order. Um, yes. James blonde will make his appearance at some point during this mm-hmm. pandemic. He's just, you know, honing his outfit right now. But yes. I, I had a, I had a long holding period where I couldn't get any bond movies for free and I didn't want to pay for all of them. Well, now I'm watching them on Pluto TV and I'm back in it. And as soon as I started watching them again, they made that announcement, Cameron. Yes, they made I know. It, and I was furious, and I'm still a little upset about it. So that one, that one hits the hardest for me right there. That mm-hmm. stings. That one burns deeply. It's yes. a deep burn. Yes, it is. Yeah, I feel for you. Um, but that brings us to our next story, which is that Cineworld, which is one of the largest, if not the largest, um, movie theater companies in the world, is shuttering all of its UK and US theaters. Um, that goes into effect tomorrow, I believe, at most of those properties. And basically, like, this is a messy situation. They made, like, a last-minute call on this. As soon as No Time to Die got pushed out, they were like, we can't do it. Employees were finding out on social media, because they that's where they announced it, that they were, like, going to lose Ooh. their job. And this includes salaried employees, people under contract, like, not just, not that, you know part-time employees don't matter, but I'm just saying like, this is huge. Like this is people's livelihoods. Um, you know, an estimated 45,000 jobs will be eliminated after theaters finally came back. They finally crawled through and, and did all the, you know, you and I went to theaters. We went to Marcus theaters and saw tenant. We saw the new mutants and they had made so many changes and spent so much money on getting their cinema safe accreditation only to, really, if you're asking my opinion, to have Hollywood turn its back on them and, and to be left for dead. Um, yeah. And so now it's like, what do you do? I mean, I get emails from Marcus Theaters every day, <laughs> like, come see movies, and the movies they have are just not ones worth seeing. And I still am like, man, I, I don't want them to close their doors for the last time. Like, should I go buy a ticket and, and show up to one, you know, with my mask and try to do it safely? Or, you know, what do I do? Because this is a this is looking real dark for movie theaters. What's your reaction to to this news, Kirk? That's rough because if they can shut down like, yeah. everything, then who else is going to have to shut down as well? Um, yeah, what you just said there, like what if you what if we just buy tickets and don't go, you know, and, and stay you know, yeah, like, exactly I, right. I don't, I don't really want to see that movie. I could watch like ten movies in its place and they'd all be better. Maybe it's like, hey, it's five dollar Tuesday. I'm gonna book a ticket and just not go. It's like a donation. It's a donation. Right? Yeah, it's a donation. Yeah, or I or mean, on a regular ticket price, whatever. Yeah. So I mean, I I feel like it, it's it's tough, and I you know I I I threw out the phrase that Hollywood sort of turned their back on the theaters, and and the reason I say that is because my personal experience and our experience going to the theater was that it felt very safe. It felt safer than me going to the grocery store. It felt safer than many of the things that 
are technically open under all of these COVID requirements. I mean, it really felt like a safe thing. And so I felt like, man, if the theaters would just take, I mean, if the uh, studios would just take a little bit of a bath on the revenue, then they could really help the future of the industry because the, the movie theater business is in big, big trouble. And those chains closing their doors again, that may, that might be the last time realistically it's, it's 100% possible. Um, and all these studios are saying, no, we're committed to theaters. We're not going to put our movies on VOD. We're not going to put them on streaming. We're committed to theaters. And I'm just thinking, what if they're gone, man? Like it might be too little too late. Um, I mean, it's scary because if they, if, if the Hollywood studios don't help support the theaters, I mean, that's where their money comes from. That is where it comes from. You know, we talk about distribution rights and, uh, and rights for the theaters themselves. Like, they make their money mostly on concessions, legitimately. Yeah. Uh, they only get like 1% or 2% shares of the films that run through their theaters. And the rest is food. It's ridiculous. It's, it's mm-hmm. incredible that they can stay open. So I just think that, yeah, there needs to be some sort of donation or whatever because pretty soon if the theaters shut down netflix will have netflix and hulu and amazon will have all the control of saying well you're going to pay us this much and we'll give you this much per click per watch per view and you can't really regulate that as we found out you know because a a watch on these shows is on these movies is like three minutes or something crazy like as short Mm -hmm. as that so ah it's not it's nuts it's not good it's, it's not good. It's really not. And I mean, if you, if you just look at this industry was already in question, right? Before any of this, people were saying, well, listen, a movie goes to theater, the studios take home roughly 55% of the ticket movie goes to VOD. Those studios take home 80% roughly. That is a big difference. And eventually money is going to, you know, money talks. And eventually they're going to say, why are we even doing this theater thing? We could even sell less VOD and still make the same profit margin by going VOD. And then we don't have to deal with all those stupid distribution fees. So, I mean, it's, it is bleak and I'm concerned. I mean, I'm legitimately concerned because the movie theater experience, in my opinion, um, is, is just, I have a really romantic relationship with it. And I know you're in that boat and I know many, many people are, it's, it is a nice peaceful break and it's something that's different and it's something that is always exciting no matter how old you are or what movie it is. It's just always fun. And so I I just can't stomach the thought of losing that. I lived at the, I still live, live before the pandemic lived, lived, lived at the movie theater. But especially when I was a kid, it was the weekend. Me and my friends were at the movie theater. What do you guys want to do? Movie theater. What are you going to take a girl on a date? Movie theater, movie theater, uh-huh. movie theater, movie theater. Like, what's my kid going to do? He's going to, you know, like, oh, come stream at my house. My parents, you know, like, no, you got to, ah. Yeah, it's a social gathering. It's an experience. It's it's nice. It's, it's life, you know? It's like actually mm-hmm. living rather than just sitting on your couch and watching a Netflix movie, which is fine, but it's just not the same. So, right. um, yeah, that, that's going to be one to keep an eye on. And I think, you know, there's lots of moving pieces here. You know, you watch the Academy Awards. What are they going to do? Are they going to keep allowing streaming platforms to to qualify? Are they going to crack down? Are they going to, or are they going to make it looser? You know, they all of these things play a role in the future success of theaters, and so it's something that we definitely have to keep an eye on. Okay, speaking of the Oscars, 
According to the Hollywood Reporter, the Academy of Arts and Sciences, which is the governing body for the Academy Awards slash the Oscars, mm-hmm. made a vote to allow drive-in movies to be eligible for yes. the Academy Awards this year. And so originally you had to go to a theater and you had to be shown three times a day in so many theaters for so many days in order to, to qualify. Well, now you only have to show in a drive-in movie theater once per day for a period of time and you can be eligible for an Oscar. So, what's your reaction to this news, Kirk? Are we going to be driving to the drive-in movie theater with our hot cocoa this winter? 100%. We <laughs> yeah, have man. the luxury of living in a town that has the oldest or one of the oldest, one of the top mm-hmm. three oldest family-owned drive-in theaters. Like, legit. Look it up. Skyview and Belleville. Like, it's super cool to live in a town like that, and yes. I'll absolutely go and w- and watch all my movies at the drive-in. I think that's a yeah. great. Yeah, bring a bring a heater, you know, build a fire. I don't know what they're going to allow you to do, but like, let's do it. Let's do award season outside in the car, man. I'm totally here for that. Get the it's glove warmers, you know. <laughs> yeah, watching indie films at the drive-in is going to feel so hipster. I'm like, <laughs> I'm all over that, man. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's a new change. Again, like they're making all these, you know, everything with COVID is like very fluid, but I think that's a good call and a way, f- a more realistic way for some of these movies that don't have big budgets, some of these indie films to get out there. Um, and even if nobody goes to see it, maybe they can still qualify for an Oscar in time and mm-hmm. then get on VOD and then people can see it. So I think it's a good move. And, and uh, according to The Hollywood Reporter, that's going to be the case for at least this year. So that's exciting. All right, Kirk, that is the COVID-related news. Okay. Now we move on to the heavy hitters. We got some big-time news today. Are you ready? No, because that was some heavy stuff. So That was. I have was. no idea what's in store. Let's get excited. According to the Hollywood Reporter, Mr. Benedict Cumberbatch, with the best name ever, Yes. Will be reprising his role as Doctor Strange in Wait for It Spider-Man 3. That's right, Kirk. In a Spider-Man movie, we're getting Doctor Strange. Yes. And let's do this thing, man. You know what we do? We speculate, okay? Oh, mm-hmm. Couple things to consider. It was also announced last week, which was not a recording week for us, so we didn't get to talk about it on this podcast, that Jamie Foxx would be reprising his role as Electro in Spider-Man 3. And for those of you who, you know, kind of recognize, like, Jamie Foxx, Electro, that's kind of weird. Well, it's weird because it was it was a different Spider-Man series that he first played that role. It was in the Amazing Spider-Man series um, where Andrew Garfield was Spider-Man, so the, the previous yeah. Sony franchise. And so this will be the first time well, the second time, because of J. Jonah Jameson, right? Yes. J.K. Simmons. This will be the second time that a character has crossed over from a previous Spider-Man series into the new hybrid Sony MCU universe. So what are, where are your, what's your head at right now, Kirk? I mean, I got to know. Mine's spinning. My, my mind's going to explode because also this <laughs> week I saw uh, this old interview. And I'm like, why is this being brought up? It was an old interview of Andrew Garfield, the former amazing spider-man spider-man who's an incredible actor so good he was talking about how he was hurt that he couldn't fulfill his trilogy that that Mm. you know he was just like 
cut out, cut off, cut out. Um, so this brings so much joy. This could bring him back. This could bring Tobey Maguire. This could bring Tom, uh, and Tom Holland and so many people all together. Also, what if we see a live action Miles Morales? There's so many options here. I, I, yes. I just can't begin to start oh, 100%. pinpointing what they might be. Oh, it's insane, Kirk. It's insane. And, and and all of those things are definitely thoughts that are going to my head. I mean, the first thing you think when you think of Doctor Strange joining Spider-Man is Spider-Verse. Yeah. Um, you think that they're going to open up some sort of Spider-Verse. And, I mean, was this the play all along? Is this the reason? Did, did, did Marvel have interest in Sony's previous Spider-Man assets and want to bring those into the MCU? I mean, it's crazy. I think if you think about, because we heard a while ago that there was going to be a Madam Web storyline, mm-hmm. and she has the same kind of, you know, time bending. And so at that, or like, you know, alternate universe type stuff. And so at that time, the speculation was, oh, this will be the link to bring Tom Holland Spider-Man from the MCU to the Sony-verse and back and forth. But yes. it kind of feels like now, and this is all speculation, but that Sony is saying, no, if you're going to have our Spider-Man, you're going to bring value to all of our assets. We're not having some standalone crappy Venom movie and some standalone crappy Morbius movie. We want it all tied together, and it's going to overlap with the MCU, and things are going to get weird, and you guys need to come along for that ride. And I am so here for that. I am yeah. 100% on board. Because like you said, Kirk, I think it's all but certain that we are getting at least Andrew Garfield back in some capacity and possibly Tobey Maguire as insane as that sounds. It would just be remarkable. And and it's kind of like, you know, I'm also equally excited about what's going to happen in the Batman in Batman. Yes. And and see see if, if everyone comes back in that, if we see, uh, or sorry, in flash in the flash movie and flashpoint Mm -hmm. and see if that happens there. So like if we have both worlds of our, of comics, suddenly just open up all of the of the film uh, worlds like it, it would just be Christmas every day to be able to enjoy all of that and then I think ahead to when my my son's six going on seven as crazy as that sounds and it, it just brings me such joy to be like okay we're gonna start all the way back in 1989 right right right, right, dude, right, <laughs> you know? right and just go like I'm so excited I know this is like this is nerd Christmas. Like you're 100% right. This is the best gift that you can give to us. This is total fan service. And you know what? I applaud it. You know, in some cases it's, it's, it's wrong, but like, this is what that's for. Comic Mm -hmm. books get weird. They do crossovers. They do multiverses. They do time travel. Like that is the genre. So just like dive headlong into it and give the people what they want. I mean, this is, such a cool idea and you mentioned miles morales which we've talked about it into the spider-verse that sony animated film is second to none as far as a superhero movie it is so brilliant and we know that miles morales exists in some form in the mcu due to the presence of donald glover as aaron davis in spider-man homecoming yes so this has been in the works for a long time so Kirk, man, we we are seeing Miles Morales. I don't know if it's going to be Spider-Man three or what, but it's it's one hundred percent coming. And listen to me, I I know, like, I just want anyone from Sony to hear this. They've probably already considered it. 
there's a fantastic show on NBC. Probably everyone knows about it. It's called This Is Us. And there are uh, these two younger versions of Sterling K. Brown in it. And the actors who play him are so good. And either one of them, I've just been like, Miles Morales. And maybe both of them could be. Maybe there could <laughs> yeah. be a live-action Miles Morales film. And they can play, you know, still just versions of, of, of different ages. And those guys are, I, I never remember the names, my apologies, Lonnie Shabbos and Niles Fitch. Either one of them could play him at whatever timeline they want to bring Miles Morales in. And I just want them to pull the trigger. So, Sony, there's your casting selection. Give me royalties and <laughs> plug this podcast. And then we're good. We're fair. Yeah, we're, we're, we're good to go. No, I love that idea. I, I love, I mean, all the casting options are going to be so exciting for the next couple of years as this sort of like builds out and we'll, you know, they'll, they'll sneak in some news here, some news there, but the last bit on this is that you, you talked about the amazing Spider-Man series and how good of an actor um, Andrew Garfield is. That series is underrated. Okay. Those two movies were good. And, and the second movie did some weird stuff and it gets a lot of hate, but overall still very good. And they owe Jamie Foxx the opportunity to do electro, right? Because you and I are both big fans of his work and we know that he can do it. And there were some weird writing and character choices there that I am excited that they will hopefully find a way to give him a second chance and, and sort of write the ship there and maybe even give Andrew Garfield a way to put his final stamp on that character and, and show us something that we've never seen before with Peter Parker. It's, it's extremely exciting. Both of them just deserve their day because Jamie Foxx is on a, just a, a role a path uh, of destruction or construction to to his next Oscar. And people don't know enough about how good Andrew Garfield is. So yeah. go watch 99 Homes. Go watch um, Hacksaw Ridge. Go watch The Amazing Spider-Man. He's fantastic. Mm-hmm. And last request, and I'll just throw this one in here real quick, Sony, just in case you we got your attention and you're listening. Yeah. Please use the time travel to reverse the death of Gwen Stacy slash Emma Stone. Please yes. and thank you. That's my final request. And I don't feel like that's asking for much. Okay. No. Oh, this this just in, Cameron. Uh, yes, they're going to do that. I just got oh, this, this very perfect. real paper that says they're going to do it. So, Emma Excellent. Stone, we, we're excited to have you back in the MCU. Yeah, thank let's you. just speak it into existence. That's happening. <laughs> and we're back. Okay. <laughs> Other big news. This was just announced today, literally hours before we came on to record. Disney is announcing that Pixar's soul will forego the theater window and go straight to streaming on Disney Plus exclusively starting Christmas Day. So what was originally meant to come out around the Thanksgiving holiday when Pixar usually does a release, they are going to give it to us on Disney Plus on Christmas Day, which is a great Christmas present for those of you who celebrate that holiday. It's going to be, I'm excited for this movie. Again, Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx. <laughs> and that is all we have to say about that, except for the fact that, Kirk, you pointed out that in their tweet they say nothing about Premiere Access. Nothing, which so, hopefully they stick to that because that means it's for free. That's wild. That's a big move by Disney. Yeah, because the $30 for Mulan was tough to stomach, and I don't think many people did it. I, I, I have yet to see the final numbers on that, but <laughs> here's what I would say. If we don't see solid numbers on that you can bet that they were bad because if they were good disney would share them and if they're bad they're going to do everything they can to suppress that so uh but it was one of those things that i think they had to try they had to just know you know like what what's out there 
So yes. I'm excited for Soul. I'm, I'm really glad that we're still going to get to see that one this year. Okay, we're bouncing all over the place. Apple TV Plus news, actually. Steve Carell is returning to season two of the morning show after he was originally only on a one-season contract, and that door was shut. It appears to be reopened now, Kirk. What's your reaction to that? Yeah, I uh, I don't know where it goes from here with him. Mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. they left it open enough at the end of that series to be like, well, we everyone knows he's not coming back, and it's kind of like, ugh. I wish he was because of like the thread they leave. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if they have enough strength in subscriptions to pay for everything that comes along with this show itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, it's interesting. It's interesting. We'll see. We'll I'm, see what they do. I think Apple TV plus has shown that they're starting to get pretty aggressive in their content strategy because, I think they know that a bunch of people's subscriptions are about to be up. Mine goes up in November. I think yours is sometime in December. Yeah, it's yeah, so. December right after my birthday. Yeah, in December. I, I just wanna, I just wanna know, Cameron, what would you, if you're Apple, who yeah. do you buy? Who do you buy to have their entire library? Who would you pick? Would you pick? Would you pick? Uh, would Apple buy Disney? Would you pick Netflix? Would you pick Amazon? I would try to pry Warner Media from the claws of AT and T. That's okay. what I would. That's what I would try to do because, or or just purchase AT and T. I mean, they probably have enough cash for that. I don't know for sure on that one, um, but I think that HBO is on the cutting edge. They've always got slick, cool content. It's very on brand with what Apple's trying to do. It's very similar to the kind of content library that Apple's been seemingly trying to quilt together, though sloppily. Um, yep. And so I don't know how long AT&T is going to be interested in being in the content business. I mean, it's a good business to be in. There's lots of money there, so maybe they maybe for a long time. But Apple's got deep pockets, and I could see that being an acquisition that would be very, very, very good for them. Um, yeah. I would love – I would personally like that. <laughs> it would be mm-hmm. nice to consolidate those two platforms and – I could see there being some cool like subscription bonuses between Apple and HBO because I just don't think I think Apple's way out of their depth in the content league right now and they need to acquire somebody who knows what they're doing and nobody knows how to make better TV series content than HBO period end of story right and just so. let their team continue to run with it right uh-huh. and you can yeah, give exactly. some you can give some direction as the buyer and the owner but just let the machine do its work instead of trying to invent your own machine so that's where that's where they continue to struggle for sure oh yeah 100% so that'll that'll be interesting to keep an eye on because they I mean, it's judgment day is coming for apple tv plus <laughs> and they need to they need to have a plan in place because otherwise that's that platform is not going to be um, solvent for much longer. Can you imagine? We we've we were never really alive or or uh, old enough when the Apple products that failed were around. Can you imagine <laughs> if Apple TV Plus fails? What kind of a disastrous fail that will be? Like that'd yeah. be pretty embarrassing. That'd be pretty bad. They've invested a ton in it, and they still are. So yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Um, okay, bouncing back to superhero news because there's always lots of superhero news. This is exciting. We had She-Hulk news last week, um, and we've got more Disney Plus MCU series news going on. 
Marvel Studios has found their Kamala Khan slash Miss Marvel for their Miss Marvel TV series. New coming actor Iman Vellani, sorry, Iman Vellani, Mm-hmm. My got tongue twisted there has been cast as Miss Marvel in Disney Plus's upcoming series of the same name. Vellani is a newcoming actor, like I said, and becomes the studio's first Muslim hero. So we're getting some, getting some fresh meat on the MCU side for sure, which is exciting. Yeah, very cool, very cool. I um, I tried to pull up this article about ten things you didn't know about her, and it doesn't give me anything. So that's yeah. upsetting. Um, well, I but, think I think for me, like Marvel is almost better when they kind of find people, like oh, find yeah. their find their people rather than trying to like make a splash or. I mean, they've done really well with casting, and I think they they have a great eye for this stuff. So if she's a newcomer and they think she's their Miss Marvel, I mean, Miss Marvel is a massive character. I have no doubts that they have the utmost confidence in this young actor and I'm excited to see what she brings to the table. Yep. It's, it's always exciting to you just to get a new acting performance and, and just like a new flavor to see what, you know, to see if this is like a new favorite actor of yours or if you're seeing like the start of somebody's career as, you know, like I remember watching Tom Holland in, um, uh, what was that movie called with Naomi Watts and the impossible. Uh, Ewan McGregor, the impossible. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, dude, this guy is incredible. And look at him now. I mean, he's the guy. Yes. <laughs> so we, we could be seeing the next, the next star. And that's, that is just always an exciting concept to me. So that's, yeah. that's fun. We've always talked about how perfect the casting is, and I think that the casting director of all of these films should be paid just as much as all of the stars. Dude, for real. They They're so it. good. They're mm-hmm. spot on. I mean, I think of like Chris Pratt as Star-Lord. I mean, is there a better casting ever? No. It's, it's no. so good. It's so good, man. It's Tony Stark. I mean, Come on. nobody was hiring Robert Downey Jr. How do you make that move? Um, it's insane. So, yeah, yes. this... I have the utmost confidence in them and I'm excited to, to see a new actor. Um, more Disney TV series news on the MCU side. Samuel L. Jackson is finally getting a Nick Fury centric property in a Disney plus TV series. I am so stoked for this. Yes. It's going to be so great. Uh, we've never seen Samuel L. Jackson in a series role besides obviously yeah. as Nick Fury we've I mean I can't remember if he's done any television in any way shape or form yeah uh, or even like a mini series I don't think he's ever been in a mini series before so this at his age and at his you know celebrity status is quite incredible to be able to <laughs> it is, with him. Dude. it's huge and, and Nick Fury is such a fun character and I think people have been really kind of wondering when this was going to happen like okay give us our nick fury series we all want it it's like kind of a foregone conclusion like please bring it on and and i had sort of given up on that like a nick fury movie or a nick fury series but here it is and they surprised us with it and i'm i'm stoked you go back and you think about when you really didn't know about who who samuel jackson was as nick fury (laughs) then winter soldier dropped and you just get all this information right and then still mysterious and then you get so much more mysterious information in Captain Marvel. So mm-hmm. this is the perfect time, the perfect segue to to really dive into more uh, more of the life of his his character. I'm I'm excited. 
Yeah, it's going to be sweet. It's going to be really, really good. So one more Disney news story. Believe it or not, they have so, they have so much news flying out there right now. I mean, they're they're the big they're the big man on campus. Actually, I have two more. Holy cow! Okay, two more. Um, Peter Pan and Wendy, which is a live action movie that we've been talking about for a long time, has cast their Tinkerbell. Yara Shahidi is going to play Tinkerbell, and we are getting a person of color playing Tinkerbell. So that's obviously big news. You know, Disney has been really committed to diversity of late. They've got the little mermaid is also being played um, by a black actor. So um, just really exciting casting news there. And then other big Disney movie news, Barry Jenkins, who's an Academy award winning director who directed moonlight is directing a sequel to the live action lion King movie that was directed by John Favreau. What an interesting, interesting move, Kirk. Did you see this coming? Not from a million miles away did I ever expect this. No. No. Yeah, so it's like, it's so odd for so many reasons. So first of all, Barry Jenkins directing Lion King, like he is like an art house director. And so taking on a huge franchise property like this is such an interesting play. And I think the other thing that sticks out to me about this is like, this isn't going to be Lion King 2 as a live action. Like this isn't going to be Simba's pride. This is going to be something totally different, something totally new. I think uh, the way that Barry Jenkins described it is they were going to delve into the mythology of the characters, which sounds really cool and actually sounds a little bit like the Disney animated series, the lion guard. Um, yes. As funny as that is, it does. But actually, it, yeah. um, it is an interesting move for them to take something that was a straight up remake. And I mean, as straight up as straight up gets, of the lion king and then create a whole new property off of that is is just really it it was really unexpected for me i just have to say that (laughs) yeah it's baffling actually um i could see it be mildly successful if kion you know from the lion guard is the main character (laughs) in it Uh, my son will lose his marbles he'll be so excited but other than that if it's not about kion this thing flops immediately uh, because what in the world are they doing otherwise I don't know, man. I'm like weirdly intrigued by this, even though I think it will. I don't really know what to make of it, but the reason I didn't like the live action Lion King very much is just because it was a shot for shot remake. So I feel like getting something that's different with these characters might be cool. I don't know. I'm I'm keeping it open. We'll see. And- and they better smile for your sake to watch the second movie. <laughs> I know that was a big gripe. Zero it emotion. It was no just emotion. all in the voice. They just, like, yeah. Oh, no, Dad, I'm so sad. <laughs> He's dead. Yeah, it's like that terrible Sonic animated TV show where the face, facial expressions oh. don't match up with the voices at all. It's like they drew the show and they recorded the voices totally siloed. And then they like were like, here it is. <laughs> yeah, so weird. Good. Uh, so bad, man. Okay, I think I'm done with Disney news. Whew, they have a lot. Um, Stream on Disney Plus and the pluses is in your <laughs> living room. That's right, man. From our award-winning platinum single, <laughs> it's almost time for Hamilton. That's right. A double That's platinum, right. I think. I mean, we we slayed that. It'll be um, true okay. by the end of this recording. Let me just tell you. Switching over to other superhero news, because I know you guys can't get enough. Variety is reporting that all this Hodge is going to play Hawkman in DC's Black Adam. Aldous Hodge, who you and I, Kirk, 
raved about in The Invisible Man with mm-hmm. uh, um, who's our friend from Handmaid's Tale? Why can't I remember El- her name? Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss. Yes, of course. You were just distracted by his his arms that we also gave uh, an honorable mention during yes. our episode. Yeah, he was ripped. He was swole. He it's probably ridiculous. still will be for Hawkman. Absolutely. Yeah, this will be good. This will be really fantastic. Yeah, I think he, here's my hot take. Maybe this, maybe this isn't that hot. You tell me how hot this take is. Mm-hmm. The Rock, as I like to call him, even though he's Dwayne Johnson, I still like to call him The Rock because he's The Rock. Um, with all of his celebrity and all of his charisma, is still not capable of carrying a movie on his own. Yes or no? No. A good movie. A good movie. <laughs> let, me make, let me make that point. A good movie. A good movie. Yeah, no. You can't put... Like, I'm thinking, you know, you can't put The Rock in a movie and have, it, it, like, a three-character a three character movie. No, every movie he's in is an ensemble movie. Yes. And he's the, he's the leader of that ensemble. No, you're not going to get, like, a character-developed piece with him as the protagonist. Right. It's not going to happen. Not going to happen. I know. That's how I feel. And I feel like he's come a really long way as an actor. And I, I, I wouldn't call him a bad actor at this point. I think no. he's kind of found his lane and, and he does a good job with the properties that he gets a hold of. But I just feel like it is one distinct texture of movie whenever it's just him. And I think that if you add somebody like Aldous Hodge who has really good acting instincts... And, and, you know, insert another character into this movie that's already about a sort of obscure character in Black Adam. I think that this is a, this is a good play on DC's part. And it gives me more hope that they're sort of reading the tea leaves and understanding that this is how you build a a good movie series. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. about this casting for sure. Yep. Okay. Next one, (laughs) the Saved by the Bell reboot. Are you in or out, Kirk? I'm out. (laughs) Here's what I'm going to live for. I'm going to live for the Zach Morris is trash uh, reboot. <laughs> <laughs> the, that that take coming out of the woodwork, is that what you're saying? The resurrection right. of the Zach Morris is the worst take? Yes. I, I love If you, if you uh, follow it on Facebook, it's a fantastic page. <laughs> they go through every episode and explain <laughs> every moment <laughs> of why Zach Morris' character is absolutely a horrible human being and how he destroys friendships and abuses and manipulates people. <laughs> so, like, That's it's, so great, man. It's, it's so horrifying. great. So the reboot, I'm like, nah, whatever. But not for me. Well, in or out, Kirk, it's uh, it's coming to a peacock near you um, November 25th. Well, don't worry, it'll die uh, a quick death on Peacock because no <laughs> I can one hear you seething it. every time. Every time Peacock is mentioned, you just get a look of death in your eyes. Um, I have a confession to make, Kirk. I am, as of the date of recording, a Peacock Premium subscriber. <laughs> Let me explain. Let me explain because I know, I can tell by the look on your face right now that. That is a crime punishable by ending this podcast and disowning me. But let me explain. No, I'll just kill you and continue with it. <laughs> <laughs> just murder me. Fair. That's fair. Here's what I will say. Two reasons for this, and let me know if this is forgivable. Mm-hmm. One, right now I am watching The Deer Hunter for the blog. 
Yeah, if that sounds familiar, it's because I mentioned it last week. I'm still watching this movie. <laughs> First of all, it's three hours long. Second of all, if you're going to write a blog about it, you kind of have to like know the ins and outs of it. Third, it is extremely interpretive. And so I'm like going back and rewatching certain parts to make sure I'm picking up on everything. And D, it's, uh, <laughs> what was I going to say for, for last? Maybe commercials? No, what was I going to say? Oh, it is expensive enough to where it actually made sense for me to stay a Peacock subscriber rather than quitting my free trial and renting it. It actually made more sense because the other thing I've used Peacock for this month is Premier League Soccer because they have shamefully and criminally taken Premier League Soccer games off of certain games off of NBC Sports Network and put them on Peacock so you have to pay for them. And it's, it is the most sinister... Of crimes, I think mm-hmm. the I think it's basically a human rights violation, yes, and yes. I will never forgive them for that. But that is the reason that I'm I am a subscriber for now. I will be canceling at my earliest convenience, mm. and I hope Kirk that you can find it within yourself to forgive me for this heinous act. Well, I think you'll be um, hard pressed to cancel that series when I have a gun to your head, and that's your final <laughs> option. <laughs> <laughs> I was not expecting that. That took me by surprise. Wow. Well, okay. I mean, I think that that's, uh, that's fair. If it comes to that, I think you're right. I think I will probably just yeah. be like, you know what? It's time. I'm just trying to help you. You know, like Thanos was trying to save the world by destroying populations. And I'm just trying you to know, help you he, not. Thanos had a point. He was misunderstood. You think about it. That's right. Um, all right. Let's move on from that before things get weird. Um, trailers. I saw an interesting trailer today for a movie called Mank. Have you seen this? Mank. Why does that sound familiar? Well, it's David Fincher, Kirk. It's okay. a David Fincher film. And it's coming to Netflix. And it is about the screenwriter of Citizen Kane. Orson Welles' is Citizen Kane. Whoa. It is about the process of writing that film and going through production with Orson Welles. And the character um, who's going to be portrayed by Gary Oldman is um oh what's his name howie mankiewicz or something like that herman Um, herman mankiewicz herman mankiewicz yeah and here's what what i've got it pulled up that's oh i thought you said hold up i was like okay no you've got it pulled up yeah so herman mankiewicz here's what's really interesting about this kirk and i will post the well let you're on social tomorrow let's post the trailer tomorrow i can get it queued up for you um the trailer is, or or the movie is shot in the styling of Citizen Kane. Like the cinematography looks what? almost identical. It's all black and white. They have like, they use the same camera tricks that are used in that movie. It's very interesting. Wow. Yeah. So this- that is definitely one to keep an eye on. That's coming to Netflix December fourth, I believe. It's almost my birthday, December fourth. There it is. Yep. Yeah, so that's huge. David Fincher, Kirk. David Fincher. I mean, he's one of the, I mean, in my opinion, he's one of the best we have. I, oh, I, I yeah. love David Fincher. I, I think pretty much everything he does is incredible. Um, I could not be more excited about this. So that one took me by surprise, but I'm so here for it. Yeah, this cast is fantastic. Obviously, Gary Oldman, duh. We've the got goat. Li- Lily Collins, Amanda Seyfried, um, Tuppence Middleton, who you might remember from. Uh, the imitation game, yes, fantastic in that. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. It's got um, we the um, 
the the ever controversial series on Netflix, Bloodline. Uh, it's got the actor who played Eric O'Bannon, who is an incredible guy. So good, yes. Jamie McShane. So yeah, this is this is under my radar, and I am I am same dude. Same, so. and and David Fincher has kind of like speaking of under the radar, has kind of flown under the radar for the last few years, like. I as soon as this came out, I was like, whoa, 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 when was the last David Fincher movie that came out? I think it was like Girl with the Dragon Tattoo or something like that. Yeah. Oh, and that's uh, been gone, a minute. So oh, Gone Girl, Gone Girl. Gone Girl. But that was 2014. Yes. yes. And, then, and he's done TV. He's done House of Cards and he's done um, Mindhunter. Mindhunter. But, but that's, that's really it. That's it. He did a couple of, um, he directed Justin Timberlake's uh, Suit and Tie music video. At, what? <laughs> What? Of course. <laughs> this is wild. Who this could wi- who could forget his visionary uh, <laughs> direction on that one? I often. But think yeah, of dude, it. this is this is kind of a big comeback. Like it's it's a big comeback that like nobody is talking about. So yeah. I'm I'm excited. And dude, you have to watch the trailer at your earliest convenience. It looks wild. I will. Okay, other trailer that came out was for Robert Zemeckis, another big, big, big director, um, The Witches, which was originally supposed to go to theaters. It's an adaptation of a Roald Dahl book um, about witches, <laughs> predictably, yes. and it stars Anne Hathaway and Octavia Spencer. So that's pretty exciting. The, the trailer looks less than desirable, I have to say. I did, I did not think the trailer looked great, but it's coming to HBO Max instead of theaters, so it's definitely worth giving a roll. And I'm hoping that it's just a bad trailer because Robert Zemeckis, Octavia Spencer, Anne Hathaway, I'm like, come on, please. I just want to remind you that Robert Zemeckis also directed The Polar Express. I um. know, I know. He's <laughs> Dude, he's got some stinkers, okay? He is not faultless. I mean, um, Anne Hathaway... And uh, Octavia Spencer can definitely carry a film, but when they make it to when the kids are mice, you know, because if you're listening to this podcast, you can you've read the books, yeah. and uh, you know that animation looks like worse than the 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 James Gordon Peter Rabbit. You know, it does. The animation looks really bad. I'm hoping it's one of those things where like it's just not polished because of COVID or like I don't know. It's they made the trailer before they finished the effects. Like that happens. That stuff happens. It, it so. does. It does. Yeah, that's true. Like, I was even worried about, like, when Black Panther's trailer came out. I was like, oh, no, because they hadn't really finished the CGI in that. And I was like, I'm scared, but they did it. Yeah. So, all right. We'll see. Nothing. Yeah. This movie clearly won't haunt you like the 1990s version will. (laughs) Horrifying. Absolutely horrifying. Start to finish. This one is much more playful, it seems like. So, we'll (laughs) see what happens. Yeah. And it is a bad trailer. I'll just say that. It's a bad trailer. But... Good movies come out of bad trailers sometimes, so we'll leave it at that. Mm-hmm. Um, Kirk, I think I'm spent. No, sad one. I don't. I don't even want to bring it up. It's so sad. <sighs> Chadwick Boseman's final film, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, will premiere on December 18th, which sucks to say the words out loud. Chadwick Boseman's last film. So yeah, that just that's just terrible. That does not. It does not get better. It's so bittersweet because when we talked about his passing, um, we, I even scrolled through and I, I think I think we mentioned that that was on his radar and that we were like, come on, that would have been a fantastic performance. Yes. We didn't know it was wrapped and now we right. do. Right, and now we do. So it's like, 
it's this weird silver lining in all of it, but then it's going to hurt so much more after mm. you finish the film and while you're watching it, you know, so. Uh, right. I don't know how I'm going to get myself to start this film because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to be like, nope, I don't. Because it, as soon as I watch it, it will feel too real. And I will yeah. be like, no, this is it. Yeah. And that just sucks. I don't think I ever watched um, Mr. Megorium's Dr. Parnassus. W- Oh, the the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, yes. Yes, Heath Ledger's final film, and his was incomplete. Um, they they did some really cool stuff in there. Um, Andrew Garfield's breakthrough in American film, actually, yeah. uh, and he was fantastic in it. And they had uh, Colin Farrell, and they had Jude Law, and someone else come in and kind of fill in the holes of the rest of Heath Ledger's performance. And it was eerie. It was eerie to watch him on film. Oh, it had to have been. Um, But at the same time, it it brought a little bit of closure. Um, And a lot of time has passed now, but Chadwick Boseman is a different level because it's so new and on a, a, just a different scale, a different stage. Both are so different. Right. Right. Yeah, so that'll be tough. But uh, December 18th, for those of you who are interested in checking out that film, it'll be available on Netflix. Netflix is exploding in December. They're slaying. They're slaying it, dude. They're just, they're getting after it. I mean, they're like, whatever. The world stops spinning and we're still churning it out. Like, let's go. Yes. All right, Kirk. It is time. (laughs) Oh, no. For a little game. Oh, I'm scared. (laughs) On a scale from excited to scared, how wh- which end are you falling on right now? Um, I'm ready to like. There's a door right here, and I'm mm-hmm. ready to like mm-hmm. run out of it. So yeah, extremely okay. scared. Extremely scared. Okay. scared. Well, don't be too scared, Kirk. Actually, I am a little bit scared because I don't want to make a fool of myself. But we are playing okay. Cinephile. I brought it back. We're playing it. We've played it once before on this show, and we're going to play a different game mode. So last okay. time. The game that we played was Head head On, which was basically Heads Up, only you had to name the actor or the film that the person was describing. Uh-huh. This time, because we can't both pull cards, we are going to play a game called Filmography, where oh. the goal of the game is that we will get an actor on a card, and we will have to trade back and forth naming movies that this person has been in until one person cannot come up with something, and then they will lose. And here's what I will say. You and I, Kirk, have seen an enormous number of films. I am still thinking I will perform terribly (laughs) (laughs) I think, I think, like, you will... I I don't want to, like talk you up but you know a lot of things about people who are in movies and that stuff just flies right out of my brain so we'll see but also the wild card is anytime you play a game where you're like under pressure and you have to think of something you cannot like that's me i'm 100 like that i don't know if you are but that's yes that's, that's what my I'm scared of that's so what I'm scared of like yeah it should be it, fun ah uh, we'll give it a whirl let's see what All happens right, let's do um Let's play it by ear. We'll either do three rounds or five rounds because it's getting late and we need to finish this episode. We still have to review two movies and do a top five. So yes. let's do three rounds, but if it goes short, we'll do five. Okay? okay. Here are the rules. You will see a card. I'll hold it up to the camera. It will have an actor's name, and I'll say it out loud so that the people who are listening on Apple Podcasts or whatever can know what we're talking about. You have to name a movie 
or whoever's going first has to name a movie that they've been in, and then they trade back and forth. You can name sequels. So if you've said, you know, if it was Tom Holland and you've already said Spider-Man Homecoming, you can still say Spider-Man Far From Home. Yes. Um, you can say the movie that's on the card. So each of these cards, like this one is Jodie Foster, and it says Taxi Driver on the bottom. Okay. Um, which I don't even think you can probably see, Kirk, because it's kind of crazy. I can see um, it. Okay, you can use that. That um, I'm going to put that one away. We're not going to use Jodie Foster, but you can use the movie that that's hard. on the card. Yeah. Um, what other rules? It doesn't. Ha- I, I'm not going to make an exact title. Like it can be close. Like how I tried to say Imaginaria, Mr. McGorry, <laughs> whatever. Like if if we know what the person is talking about, then we'll we'll be kind of lax with it. Can it be, since there's so many um, actors out there who direct films, um, can it also be that, or must it be strictly a performance? They have to perform in it. It has to be, they have to be on screen. Okay, just checking. Cameos count, cameos count, okay? So if they popped in, that's, they're there, okay? Okay. All right, shall we do it? Let's go, I'm scared. Let's go. Um, You're going to kick this one off. You'll name the okay. first film. All right. The actor. I'm so scared. <laughs> I hope it's not something obscure. I'm so scared. The it's actor like is. 1920s actor that we've never seen. Oh, brutal. The I'm I'm going to fail at this terribly. The actor is Angela Bassett. Oh, Angela no. Bassett. <laughs> okay. Black Panther. Okay. Strange Days. What? I'm not pulling up IMDb. <laughs> Dude, I don't know. This is tough. She's been in so many things, but it's like hard to know what those things are. Um, <laughs> Black Panther 2. <laughs> we don't know if she's in that. It's not even out yet. I think <clears throat> she is. No, I think we'll she is. On. What? I think she it's is. It's not out. It's not out. It has to she be hasn't out? been on screen. Yes, of course it has to be out, Kirk. You can try um, to come up with another one. I've I've got nothing. I've was not she seen in the heat enough. of the night? No clue, no clue. I I have not seen enough of. Angela <sighs> I'm sorry, Bassett. Angela Bassett. We failed you. We failed you. And, and and the case here is that she's been in too many films, and so it's impossible to know precisely um, what they are. So we'll just we'll chalk that one up as a as a joint loss. Let's try again. This is going to be really embarrassing when we get a bunch <laughs> of really obscure, like not obscure, but like a bunch of tough ones in a row. Let's see what we got. Okay, here we go. Al Pacino. Al Pacino, Kirk. You're up. Scarface. I'm going to take The Irishman. Godfather Part 1. Oh, tricky. Um, I'm going to take Cruising. Godfather Part 2. <laughs> Darn you. Um, I'm going to take... Oh, what's another one that I want? Did you say Scarface? No. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I did. That was my first one. Dang it! I whispered it. Um, what else is Al Pacino in? Why am I blanking? See, this is what I hate. It's the pressure. It's the pressure. The pressure. Um. Oh, isn't he in, um, no, I'm getting him confused with Robert De Niro. Dang it. Easy to do. So easy to do. 
I will say there is a sequel to two of the movies that I listed that he is in. If you want to go run more around. Oh yeah, Godfather Part Three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forgot about that. Um, I'm gonna go with the recruit with um, him and Colin Farrell. Oh, good one. Yeah, that's a good CIA. Movie. Um, man, I'm struggling with Al Pacino right now. I have seen so many Al Pacino films. <laughs> I know I have too, but I just cannot come up with them. Um, I'm done. I'm done. Just go. What do you got? Uh, I've got Insomnia. I've got Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I've got Serpico. I've got... Uh, those are the ones that come to my mind first. So. We just talked about Insomnia, and I couldn't pull that one out. What in the world? <laughs> you know, it's it's all good. This is hard. Stupid. All right, next. I'm Remember Angela Bassett? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to lead this one. On the 51st episode, Cameron and Kirk review an Angela Bassett <laughs> film. <laughs> all right, Harrison Ford. I'm leading. Oh. I will take... Um, well, I'll take I'll take Star Wars: A New Hope. I'll I'll play it easy. Give my brain a break. Okay. Uh, what lies beneath? Okay. Um. Oh, what? Which one is he? The fugitive, or is it the transporter? The First transporter? One. No, First the fugitive. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh-huh. fugitive. That's what I want. Yep. Uh, let's go regarding Henry. Okay. Um. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Touche, <laughs> hmm. touche. Um, how about Star Wars The Empire Strikes Back? Good one. I'll just take Return of the Jedi. Okay. Um, Star Wars Force Awakens. Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Oh, bravo. Mr. Harrison Ford. I'm not going to make the mistake I did last time and talk about a movie he's going to be in. Mm. The, stair- the staircase. Um, that actually is, is he the, in that? He's going to be in the staircase. The series actually, so it, it still doubly wouldn't have counted. Um, Mr. Harrison Ford. Um, which Indiana Jones did you say before? I said Temple of Doom. Hmm. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones and the the Crystal of Skulls with the skull crystal. <laughs> the Christ- Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, right? that one. The one I hated. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll just take uh, the Last Crusade. Yes, and I will take the other one. Junior! <laughs> no, that was the Last Crusade. Uh, Temple of Doom and, oh gosh, what's the other one? Whoa, uh, uh, no! <laughs> Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Good one. Um, give me Air Force One. Ooh, get off my plane! <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Harrison, Harrison, Mr. Four, Blade Runner, boom. Ooh, good one. Um, I think he was in 42. Hmm? I'm pretty sure he's in 42. What's 42? Permission to Google 42. It's the Chadwick Boseman, uh, Jackie Robinson one. Oh, is he in that? I'm almost positive. I'm Googling 42. Nice. Okay. Don't. Don't Google anything else. Just I'm, not, I'm just trying to figure out if he's in this movie. Yes. Wow. Pulled that one out. Well done. Well done. Uh, Mr. Harrison Ford. Uh, Blade Runner 2049. 
Oh, you dirty, dirty dog. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, he is in that war movie, um, Apocalypse Now. He is? Yeah. Hmm? Okay, I'm looking it up. He is? Who does he play? I'm pretty sure he's in Apocalypse Now. Hmm. Is I don't he? know who he plays. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's in that. I'm, dude, I'm like 99% sure. Uh-oh. This is, this is the deal breaker because I don't have another one. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Wikipedia, come on now. Martin Sheen for sure. Harrison Ford is Colonel oh. G. Lucas. <laughs> I'm out. I got nothing left. I got nothing left. <laughs> wow. Two clutch saves there for me. Whoa. That <laughs> okay, so we're wild. We're one apiece. That's right. Because Angela Bassett was a wash. Okay. You got Al Pacino. I got Harrison Ford. Let's see who's next. And I am horrified because <laughs> even the easy ones are hard in this of course. game. <laughs> we had the entire... Star Wars catalog, dude. I'm gonna. I'm telling you right now. When I'm done with this, I'm gonna go look at. It, I'm gonna go look at the Harrison Ford filmography and just punch myself in the face repeatedly. <laughs> okay, this might be your last one, depending on how long it takes. This okay. could be for all the marbles, unless it's another Angela Bassett. Oh, permission to skip Kim Basinger. Easy, I will I've, die. Okay, I know. Um, cellular with uh, with her and Chris Evans, and that's it. That's all I know. Okay, let me find one. What you got? Kerry Washington. Oh, gosh. That's hard. <laughs> That's too hard. Let's find an easy one. Let's find one that we can actually play. Nope. She, I mean, she probably has like 30 plus. Oh, I'm credits, sure. But, I'm you sure. know, a lot of that, she has a lot of TV credits for, what was she in? Scandal? I don't know. Okay, here we go, Kirk. This one's for you. This is yours to lose. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Uh, Jordan. Watch me lose this. I'm gonna. Well, no, it's you. You first, right? You. Yeah. Yeah. You. Uh, sure. <clears throat> Fantastic Four. Oh, you dirty dog! I thought that was gonna be one that I like that you would forget about. I was like, ooh, I got that one up my sleeve. <laughs> How do you lead with that? How do you lead with it? Um. Well, I'm going to take Black Panther because it's easy and mm -hmm. because I just want to take that one off the board. Sure. Just Mercy. Creed. Creed 2. Okay. Um, Fruitvale Station. That was my next one. Ooh. How dare you? How <laughs> dare you? Did we say Just Mercy yet? Yeah, you said it. You just said it. <laughs> you just, that was your last pick. You I thought said I said it. Creed 2. You said just mercy. I know I you thought, said it at some point. Wait, you said Creed. I said Creed too. What'd you say? <laughs> I did not say G. I, I said. Um, then you said. Fruit I did Vail. not say just mercy. I said Fruitvale Station. But you See, said I just said, mercy before that. No, I said Creed too. I said Fantastic Four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you said you Fantastic said Four. I said Black Panther. You said. Just Mercy. I said Creed. You said Creed too. I said Fruitvale Station. Ah! I knew it. Oh, what else? All right, this will in? be the last one. Do you? <laughs> because I'm in the lead. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. All right, what do you got? Anything? Michael it's tricky. B. It's tricky because I mean, 
he's had a lot all of I can sp- see in my head I can just tell you right now sorry to cut you off all I can see in my head is the wire it's just the wire <laughs> it's just the wire on repeat I and I'm like see- I know that you're in more things I see him in uh, Lie to Me because I just restarted watching that again and he was yeah. just impeccably perfect in it. Um, wait! Oh, shut up. It's um, 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 Die Hard 3 with a Vengeance. No, yes! you did not. No, you did not, Kirk. <laughs> yes, I did. You did not. Don't you dare have anything else. Let me win. <laughs> I'm going to guess. Oh, no. You are, you're a good guesser. Apocalypse Now. Because I've got no- <laughs> that was not a guess. I knew that. I don't know why I knew it, but I knew it. Oh. Um, hardball. Let's Google hate, it for the I win. Hate you. No, it's it's. Yeah, I know it's a yes. It is. Is a yes. it? Absolutely I was like feeling yes. that he was, but I wasn't super confident in it. It's absolutely a yes. I'm trying to think of like what what else was he? Like, G baby. He was not G baby. He was not G baby. He might oh. he might have been the one who saw G baby die though. Oh, um, oh not positive. No not confirmed but he's in there and he's fantastic in that too um oh man michael b you're my man i love you michael b jordan michael b jordan mbj when you're done um (laughs) well whoever loses we're gonna go to imdb and read his filmography so we can hate ourselves sure Sure, uh, I'm down. <laughs> That's <for> that. obvious. <laughs> I'm 100 for that. Uh, actually, it'll be a mini sode. It'll be our first mini sode where all we do is we read his filmography. <laughs> we say, and react oh, angrily. oh, <laughs> that will be so oh. good to listen to. That's like quality radio right there. <laughs> uh, be Jordan. He's a beast. You got they this, call dude. Him karma. Do you know another one? Do you know another one? No, one? I don't. I'm totally spent. I pulled hardball completely out of thin air. I was like, I think he was in this, but he was really young. Like really young. And he was younger in Die Hard 3. I'm telling you. I Uh, bet. There's just, there's nothing there. Final (laughs) answer. There's there's nothing there. It's... uh, Okay. (laughs) Let's look it up. I guarantee... There's at least one easy one that both of us forgot about. Let's find out. IMDb, Michael B. I'm sure this is really fun for people to listen to. I'm so mad. <laughs> Just me this, typing. On this IMDb. boy has 58 credits. Oh 58 no, Kirk. Eight credits. That's not good. That's but not a good. lot of them. I'm sure people are screaming at their radio, their radio sets right now. Chronicle. Um, Duh. Fahrenheit 451. Duh. Chronicle. Oh no! That awkward moment. Didn't see it. Chronicle hurts. Chronicle I'm a does fan. hurt. I'm a fan this, of that. This movie called Kin. I didn't watch that. Nah, Dude, but honestly, we, like he's not in that many movies. I think we. I think we got it. And uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, that awkward moment and probably Chronicle are the two big misses. See, he's had a lot of TV stuff. He has. I know. That's why the wire. I just like. I was like, why do? Why is it all that I see is the wire? He's been. You know what? I said lie to me. It says he's only in two episodes. I felt like he was in like a hundred episodes. Like I don't know. Yeah, why. I call baloney on that. I don't know what's going on. Friday Night Lights, Parenthood, yep. The Wire. I mean, all my children back in the day. 
Uh, man okay well we tried our hardest that's a hard game and let me tell you something i love this game i love cinephile it's so good if you guys are super into movies you can get it at what's their website cinephilegame.com this is a super fun game my wife got it for me for my birthday um but they list that game the filmography game as easy out of all the game modes and i'm like i think it's hard just due to the nature of the game because you're going to be stressed out trying to come up with answers it's like we play this game inevitably at every Thanksgiving with our family. Kirk, you know this. We oh, yeah. play this game where we sing songs back and forth. What is that game called? Oh. Um, no clue. Know, but basically, <laughs> like, you get a genre and you get a word and you have to sing a song with that word on it. You sing it back and forth. And what happens is as soon as one person sings a song, that's the only song that goes in your head. So it's the same thing that happens in this game. Like, mm-hmm. whenever I say Creed, like, you're like, oh, Creed 2. And, and that's it just poisons your brain. It does. It does because then you just get stifled, and you just get. Yeah. Stifled. So I think it's easy, and I think it's easy, like, on paper. I think if you just ask somebody to write down a list of every movie that somebody was in, it would be easier. But it's let tough. Me, and let me call myself out before we move on to these reviews. It. Um, I was out way earlier. It's not. It's not Mr. Michael B. Jordan in Die Hard with a Vengeance. It's Mr. Uh, the other handsome, ripped man that we've always, we've been talking about, Al Hodge. It is it's him. all this Hodge. It is him, man. I, Whoa! I, I, I would have, I would have died on that hill thinking it was Michael B. Jordan, and uh, all for wow. nothing. It, it was Aldis, and my hat has been tipped to you. You win. You win through. Oh, through. I mean, I don't think I deserve much credit after the Al Pacino situation. <laughs> that was pretty embarrassing. I'm still, I'm, gonna, I'm never going to live that down. <laughs> I've seen a lot of mobster movies, and he's basically only in mobster movies. So I know it's tough. You know. Got, I got lucky. All right. That was a fun game. It's It gives us a good amount of fun and then also self-loathing. I think that's important. Keep yourself balanced. You want to yes. have a, a fair helping of self-loathing in your life. Yes. Um, so, yeah. And then to deal with the self-loathing, you need a little thing, one word, three syllables, Lexapro. Okay. <laughs> or as Mario Dude. would say, Lexapro. I was. Can I tell you real quick? Uh, we and I keep segueing or, or keep interrupting. The I was really, really hoping that Jennifer Aniston would have popped up because all I wanted to do was bring up Mac and me. But that that was. Oh, her. that would have been so good. That's all I wanted is, to do. Is Jennifer Aniston even in this game? Probably. I just pulled a Daniel Day Lewis card, Scarlett oh. Johansson. Oh, why wasn't I pulling from this side of the box? Oh. Okay, let's re-record the episode. You ready? Jeff Goldblum, dude. We could have been killing it. Winona Ryder? Okay, that's just that was just bad luck. Let's it be was. honest. Okay, moving on. Also, confession time. I pulled the Mia Farrow card, and I was like, hard pass. Because the uh, list Rosemary's for me goes baby. Rosemary, ba- Rosemary's Baby and then nothing. Nothing. Yeah, nothing. I'm out. <laughs> and for that reason, I'm out. Okay. Goodbye. Let's review our two movies. Double. Double Trouble. Um, like in Eurovision. That was their song, Double Trouble. That's Let's do Enola first. I think I'm synopsing Enola. Okay. Okay, so this is Enola Holmes on Netflix. You can watch it right now. You can pause this episode and go watch it because you probably have access to Netflix, either from your bank account or from your parents. Or your jailbroken uh, <laughs> fire stick, whichever yeah, it might be. Exactly, whatever it might be, you probably can get this. So Enola Holmes tells the story of of Enola who's played by Millie Bobby Brown who is the younger sister of Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes and she is sort of it's a it's like a charming coming of age tale where she finds herself in a situation where she sort of like 
thrust into adulthood and has to kind of figure out who she is. Um, and so basically she wakes up one morning and her mother is gone and she's only ever lived in this big giant property with her mom her whole life. And she's like trying to find her mom, but also ends up covering uncovering in a very Sherlock Holmes kind of way, all of these other interesting plot lines and things that are going on. So that's sort of where the story starts, but it ends somewhere that is connected to that, but totally different from that at the same time, Mm -hmm. because there's like these plot lines with um, the council of Lords or whatever they call it in old school England, like the, the chamber of Lords, like basically parliament and there's like some political stuff going on. It's pretty crazy. So that is the synopsis of Anola Holmes. If I give any more away, I might be spoiling it. So let's dive in. And the Oscar goes to you. I am first, and I am giving it to Millie Bobby Brown. This actor is exceptionally talented, Kirk. She really is. I mean, it's it's one of those things. She really has not been in much, actually. She was in... Stranger Things, obviously, that's what everyone knows her for, her performance as Eleven, that's where she got her start, Um, and she was in that Godzilla King of Monsters movie, which was not good, Um, but, you know, she's getting to the point where people are ready to cast her in leading roles, and she deserves it, dude. Mm -hmm. She's incredible. I I thought this performance was great. She had to play a pretty complex character, one that was nuance she had to break the fourth wall which was interesting she had to be comedic dramatic she had to use a british accent she like was working with a lot of different stuff and carrying this film i could not have been more impressed i I really i really was blown away and i had no idea what to expect from this movie i think i made some jokes about it whenever the trailer came out because it just seemed like a very i don't know something that Campy. Netflix threw out there to like, yeah, campy and just like something that would get a lot of clicks because it's like related to Sherlock Holmes. And mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It just felt like a, kind of a thing that Netflix does, which is grab something that they know will perform, but probably isn't good. Um, and she was so good. I, I, I just can't say enough. I really, really liked Millie Bobby Brown in this movie and I, I can't wait to see her in her next project. Yeah. She was so good. I 100% picture as my uh, Oscar goes to as well. You know, we knew that she was pretty flawless in Stranger Things, and it's funny you bring up that we haven't really seen her in anything else, probably because she's so young. There were, you know, child labor laws uh, restrict her from working that much, which then expands film time for whatever project she's on. So Stranger Things, all of them were kids, so they could only work X amount of hours. And what, what I found in that series, I love that series so much, is that you can tell that in certain episodes and in certain storylines, she's actually getting a little bored. Um, you can tell, like, just just with it. And that series is nearly nearly perfect and owes so much to her perseverance because what we haven't seen is her as a full-fledged protagonist like this movie. Yes, right. And 100%, this was her her debut, and she it was a home run. She she knocked it out of the park. The uh, it was charming. Her her breaking the fourth wall was perfect. I don't know that I've seen at that many performances that break the fourth wall and you feel so comfortable. It was the her performance was charming. It was whimsical, and it, it was just so playful that she she just absolutely nailed the playfulness. And I can't I can't imagine anyone anyone else taking on this role um, as well as her. 
Yeah. And I, I mean, again, like can't stress this enough. Like we, we do talk up a lot of good actors. I mean, we, we like actors and we like to talk good about them, even if it was just an okay performance, but it happened to be the best in the film. This is a seriously good performance from an actor who's seriously going to make some noise in this industry, um, for, for many years to come. So if you are interested in that sort of thing or interested in what kind of what we were talking about earlier, like the next big thing, um, Mm -hmm. she's, she's it. She, she's definitely it. It's like Natalie Portman focus. Dude, at, she at looks that like age. Natalie Portman actually mm-hmm. too. Same, it's, similar, it's odd. You know, uh, you know, you, you, you can look back and see actors now that are still such like giants in the industry. And that one came to mind at first because her, her whole perspective uh, of the world and, and how she views people and can put them into a character. Very impressive. Yeah, no doubt about that. <clears throat> okay, good stuff. Let's move on to Scene Stealer. This was an interesting one. There were some, there were just some interesting casting choices in this, and I mean interesting and not in a facetious way. Like generally, interesting, thoughtful casting choices that I was surprised by. And after much deliberation, because I almost went with Mister Tewksbury, who is also a young actor. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name, Lewis? Partridge. I almost said Cambridge. Lewis Cambridge or Lewis Partridge. I went with Henry Cavill, who plays Sherlock okay. Holmes. And I have to admit, I have been decently critical of Henry Cavill in the past, even though I do think he's a good actor. I just think that he has made some questionable performance choices in in previous roles. I loved him as Sherlock. I mm-hmm. don't think that that casting is cut and dry it's not one of those where you see it and you're like oh that makes sense no it it actually kind of doesn't and so to see what he brought to this character he brought something that felt like the literary Sherlock Holmes you know Mm -hmm. he was he was quiet he was reserved he picked his moments he you know when he opened his mouth he was doing so intentionally everything he did with was with intent um and I thought that his delivery really echoed that. I think that's how they wrote the character and credit to him. He took the screenplay and I mean, they have to be thrilled with the job that he did because I really thought he was a great Sherlock Holmes. This movie feels like we might have a franchise here and getting more Henry Cavill as Sherlock Holmes would not be a bad thing in my book. So he stole this. He stole all the scenes that he was in for me. It was great. He really was. Uh, yeah. The, the quietness to him, the, the the focus was really impressive. You're exactly right. I went with uh, my scene stealer to Mr. Sam Caflin. Uh, boy, this guy. So he played Mycroft Holmes in the film. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he is a shape shifter for sure. <laughs> um, I think we were introduced to this actor first in Hunger Games. And man, I wanted to punch him in the throat at the beginning <laughs> of uh, Catching Fire. And at the end, you're like, hooray! this guy's yep. great you know because he's like playing a double agent in a way um yeah we've seen him in the the things that i can remember him from that i've seen him in that and the, and the, rest of the series and then i saw him in adrift with shailene woodley and mm-hmm. where he basically just dies the whole movie spoiler alert and he dies so well like it's so good the the effort that he takes in dying and then this and I, i'm just increasingly intrigued by him this is a character that could have been completely slapstick almost or or could have like walked into that territory um <laughs> sure. or vaudevillian you know because he's got this ridiculous mustache and uh but i i feel that he took it into um uh he took it into consideration and he created a fully three-dimensional character so that at moments 
his, his just that mustache, how it covers his face. He was able to manipulate that and bring it into like, okay, why would I grow a mustache like this? How would I act? What would this bring out in my personality? And, you know, and he never went over the top. He never got melodramatic for me. So he had my attention in every scene. Yeah. Some really great notes there. And I think, I think one of those performances that was like so good that it almost fades into the background a little bit because they're just like, they're playing their role so well that you're just totally engrossed in it. And so you're not even actually thinking like this is an actor. Um, yeah. And Mycroft is a complicated, weird character. And I was interested in kind of like, you know, cause I watched the BBC show with Benedict Cumberbatch and, um, Martin Freeman and, Mycroft Holmes is yeah. in that show and is, is a little bit goofy is a little bit more slapstick. And I liked this interpretation and I, I do give a lot of credit to the actor. So good call. Really good cast in this movie overall. Really liked it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, showstopper. Um, yeah, it's the, it's the ensemble cast. Actually. <laughs> I thought that the casting was solid. I thought that they, <clears throat> I thought that they cast people, who could bring the screenplay to life exactly as it was intended. And I think that they took a really thoughtful approach with the ensemble. I thought Helena Bottom Carter was very good. I thought that, um, young Tewksbury, uh, Partridge, uh, what, whatever I just said his name and now I, I've oh, lost it so hard. Um, but he was, he was really great and he's not been in hardly anything. Um, uh, Lewis Partridge. And I thought that Adil Akhtar who played Lestrade was, was really fun and like a very different Lestrade that we've seen. I think, and this is a little bit of a personal touch just cause I really like Sherlock Holmes. I like the literature. I like pretty much most of the adaptations that I've seen of it. It's just a fun character. Um, so it was exciting to see from like a very different perspective and they just took a very, intentional approach with it and cast people who did a fantastic job. So both the casting, like the casting directors themselves, as well as the actors really brought this whole thing together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My showstopper, this movie was cinematography at its best. I kept catching myself uh, seeing Mm. like this beautiful shot and remembering like, Oh, I'm watching a movie and then immediately forgetting it at the same time. It was almost like a lucid dream. Like I, like I was awake and asleep at the same time. Cause again, the, the mystical, uh, charmingness of, of the movie, it really, it really brought you in. Uh, so it's, it's storybook esque as well as realistic to the time period. And when you watch it, nothing looks over the top. Um, nothing looks, it's it looks as if it was it was put there because you were you're living that life with them it wasn't put there at, on a stage and so kudos to to the the cinematography and the set production yeah good call i think with these movies that are period pieces people especially this era like the whatever you want to call it like late 1800s turn of the century um late 1800s early 1900s there's a tendency to just make everything like brown and gray Yep. Um, which sucks because they had color back then just because you've only ever seen black and white movies from that time doesn't mean they didn't have color. And so I was excited to see some new textures in, uh, as well in this movie. Cause I thought that it did a really good job of exemplifying the era. Okay. My director's shoes. I, it's tough. I, I went back and forth on kind of what to choose here, but I think for me it was actually, and this is shallow. I do this sometimes, 
the length of the movie I thought was just a bit on the long side. I thought that they, um, I enjoyed it, but I thought that there were some subplots that were not as interesting, some that didn't really like fully flourish, and maybe it will happen in, in other films and they were laying groundwork, so maybe that will come into focus later. But I just thought this movie, um, and I don't actually even know the runtime of it, <laughs> to be honest with you, but mm-hmm. it just felt it felt a little bit long. It, it was two hours and three minutes, which is That's not right. a long movie. That's but right. It, um, it, it felt a shade long for me, and so... That's and that's nitpicky, but that's that's my director's shoes. Sure, the, uh, my director's shoes. I feel you on that. I'm getting tired thinking about it. <laughs> oh gosh, <laughs> that just crept in there. Uh, this film can easily be cut into three acts. Uh, the mm-hmm. first act, home run. Uh, you are fully introduced to this world, to these characters, what they're after, and such good momentum. And then you can actually pinpoint the moment Act 2 of this film begins. And when it does, you can already feel a, a seismic shift in the momentum. Just it's, it's very clear. So I give kudos to the director for the storytelling and that they, they're telling you, hey, we're going to take a little bit of a different pace. But the pace of Act 2 is so slow, um, quite so slow that I actually fell asleep during this and I had to restart it afterwards. So <laughs> it, it's, it's just... There's a there's too much exposition in Act Two. It should have been woven into into the first uh, uh, third of the movie, uh, and that's what really frustrated me with uh, with what happened there. Yeah, that's fair. Um, yeah, so I guess I should have said pacing rather than runtime because I think you're exactly right. I think it's just that it's not a, it's it's not a longer than average movie, but it does feel like we have more time than we need. <laughs> you know, they could have, they could have tightened some screws there to, to get there for sure. Um, okay, cool. So let's do, let's do final thoughts. I mean, color me surprised. I, I was, I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. I really thought it was quite good. Um, much better than I was anticipating, which may mean that my score will end up a little bit on the high side. We'll see where you land Kirk, but, um, I think we have the starts of a franchise here. I think we had some superb acting from some young actors, um, as well as the savvy vets. Great um, screenwriting. I thought the dialogue was excellent. I thought it was thoughtful. I thought that just as an overall production, you have to really respect what they put together here, and and I think that it's worthwhile and something that I would be excited for more sequels if they decide to go that route. Um, So with all of that in mind, I'm I'm giving it an 8.3 out of mm-hmm. 10. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- here's a little fun story from real life. Um, I'm doing, uh, and I hope my bosses don't listen to this podcast for this very moment. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out. Um, otherwise, the secret's out of the bag. Next Friday is National Bosses Day, and I'm trying to put together a little video conglomerate uh, of people saying Happy Bosses Day. And today, like immediately three employees fell on their faces because I was like, oh, you know, smile, say happy boss's day, say what what you like about working with the company. And they froze in front of the camera. (laughs) It it was like deer in the headlights. They're like, "Uh, uh, like they had nothing. (laughs) They had nothing. So what I'm getting at is that it takes such skill to get in front of a camera already and to be available emotionally and, and to, to, to talk to talk to the camera and to talk through the camera to an audience. So when 
when Millie Bobby Brown shows up on that camera in the first scene, it is it is uh, just electric. So she carries the film uh, mm-hmm. hands down. And I was st- happily surprised even after falling asleep in this movie to give this an 8.0 kernels tonight as well. Very good. We ended up pretty close there. So yeah, yes, it's we a good did. movie. Yeah. Um, as, as always, we always recommend you check it out. This one is interesting and, and one that I definitely highly recommend, um, especially for a really downtime in movies. I think you might find yourself a little more interested in this movie than at first glance, at least from my perspective. Mm-hmm. All right, Kirk, let's roll right into our next movie review, which is a huge shift in terms of subject matter. Um, all of it. I can't even get into it. It's we're going Ooh. from a movie that's very lighthearted and charming to a movie that is dark, dark, darkity, dark, 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 <laughs> darkity, dark. Yes, <laughs> that's the synopsis right there. Darkity, dark, 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 darkity. Everyone dark. dies. No one is happy. <laughs> it's not the apocalypse. It's just real life. It's just real life. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to synopsis. Let's let's shoot for it. Um, this takes place in southern Ohio. Um, it's like a sweeping odyssey, if you will, uh, of time frames. It, so it starts in the late 40s and goes through the uh, early 60s. We follow several bizarre and extremely disturbing intertwined storylines. So you have you have you've got a set number of characters and you kind of follow some for some time and then follow some more and then, and then you get introduced to more and then all of their paths cross in a super cool way. I often think of it as that terrible movie that Forrest Whitaker did a long time ago where there's like a murder in the night and it's like called 1142 or something. It's like, oh yeah. <laughs> or 1123. I don't know what it's called, but yeah, it's kind of like that, but they actually, uh, the intertwining is, is far superior to that thing. Whatever happened, <laughs> into the early 2000s so stay with us um uh so if you do you want corruption do you want murder do you yes. want um horrifyingly um horrifying abuse find out how and devil all the time <laughs> you'll get all of that and more <laughs> yeah dude this uh whew, this movie it is not for if you're feeling down about your circumstances or the circumstances around you. I have to, as not a medical professional, but as a, as a human being advise that you steer clear because this one will not brighten your mood. Let's just say that, um, in any way. And it's really, it's not even a spoiler because like really from frame one, (laughs) it's dark and it just stays dark. So, um, I, uh, I remember I watched this movie before you did. I'm like, Hey man, devil all the time just dropped. I'm watching it. I'll I'll tell you how it goes. And like, I think 15 minutes in, I was like, dude, I'm, I'm struggling. (laughs) Yeah. It is. It is a hard pill to swallow. Um, but at the same time, it might be worth it. So stay tuned to the end of this review. That's right. To see what we think. All right. The Oscar Oscar goes goes to to. who you got, Kirk. Is it me? It's you. Tom Holland. Easy Mm -hmm. peasy. Mr. Tom Holland. Mr. Spider-Man. Mr. uh, Mr. Steal Your Girlfriend. I mean, he is. It's Mr. Steal Your Girl. (laughs) He is just this handsome Brit who knows what he's doing. Um, You you have to see him in more than just Spider-Man. I know that that's his claim to fame. That's his debut. But man, was he in several things before this? And he is just 
pushing out some really cool stuff. He's naturally gifted. He continues to study people in order to and his own emotions in order to show that vulnerability that we don't like to 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 give out you know we just like we talked about you know being in front of the camera his choices are bold he's always unique and you can never point out that he's playing a character you can never point out that was a chosen mannerism as he's as he's doing something as he's processing a thought processing a conversation he just becomes the character easy choice for the the best actor yeah uh, and I'm going to I'm going to piggyback right on there because it had to be Tom Holland and in a cast full of incredible actors, you know, I, I think I listed them all off earlier. Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Jason Clark, Eliza Scanlon, Riley Keough, um, Sebastian Stan. I mean, just crazy amounts of people in this movie. And yeah. Tom Holland is the one that steals the show. He. Now he does play our lead. I mean, if there if there is a lead in this movie, he's probably the truest lead. And to your point, I mean, I think it can get lost with these big actors um, how gifted they really are. And I think that's more true for Tom Holland than anybody else. I really mean that. I think we talked about The Impossible earlier. That was the first time that I saw Tom Holland. He was young, and I, I just knew that he had it. He was incredible in that movie. And this was a movie that if you didn't really know anything about Tom Holland other than Spider-Man, you'd be like, wow, this really stretched his range. And I, for me, I'm like, dude, it might look like that, but he's, it's actually right in his wheelhouse. I mean, this right. dude's range is ginormous. Um, yeah. He can play anything and this felt comfortable and he was right in his element. And even though it's a totally different texture than what you're used to seeing him in, it really just, that's, that's Tom Holland. You know, mm-hmm. this guy can bring it and it doesn't matter what the role is, but this is a role that he can own. And he's actually, he's doing a movie with his brother right now and he's doing another movie. Um, I mean, he's doing Uncharted, but he's also doing um, a movie where he's like a neo-Nazi or something like that. Yes, and so I think that's like right. is that people are going to start Cherry? to figure out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cherry, yeah. Yeah, people are going to start to figure out like what this guy can do outside of um, the big blockbuster role. So kudos to Tom Holland. Yeah. Watch out. Watch out. All right. Here comes scene stealer. going to go with my boy, Jason Clark. Yeah, it's a good choice. Jason Clark. Um, I first fell in love with this man in 2012. Um, he was in a little movie called lawless where yeah, he buddy. was not the main character. This says Shia underrated LaBeouf. movie too. It is. It really is. People dog on this movie. And it doesn't get, it, it just doesn't get its day, man. Uh, Shia LaBeouf, uh, Jason Clark, um, Jessica Chastain, Tom Hardy. Uh, yep. Hello. Uh, he was incredible. Then he went on to star in Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Also great. He was in the terrible Terminator Genesis. And <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's 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 like sneaking into everything. He was in um, uh, First Man with uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Gosling. He's going to be in, in this new Lakers movie that's coming out where he plays Jerry West from the 90s Lakers. Like, what? Yeah, hot off the press right there. Um, he's he's so incredible. And I also want to point out that he's not that handsome of a man. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think you're right about that. The thing about Jason is that he does have charm, and that's why he can, he can slide into these roles. But because he's not like your – he's not Tom Holland. He, you know, he's not Robert Pattinson. He's not Tom Cruise. He's not Brad Pitt. 
he's just a dude and so he can play off his charm and look like a like a protagonist and look like he can he can be a you know in love or married to someone and then he can like pop some stuff on his teeth and just look hideous grease his hair up and just look like a disaster <laughs> so i just he can play either one of it i'll let you figure out in this movie it'll take you two seconds which one he's playing and just watch him because he does some incredible stuff in this movie yeah good call he really he really does and with a character that is like wow um yeah. very complex lots lots going on uh psychologically with that guy um Good choice. Not who I picked, so that's good. Scene stealer. I'm going with Bill Skarsgård, actually. Bill Skarsgård plays Willard, who is really the character who carries the first, like, 30 minutes to an, uh, not an hour, but, like, 30 to 45 minutes of this movie as they're sort of, like, setting up this 20-year-long plot line that runs through the center of this movie. Um, And it's a really interesting character that is very complex. And Bill Skarsgård is so gifted, dude. Like, let's talk about his performance as Pennywise, where he, that's like, actually, what he's doing is tough. And it's, it's like, kind of boiled down to like this bit piece in a horror movie, but like he, it's, it's not an acting tricks. Like he's acting overtime in that movie and he's just really talented as many of the Skarsgårds are. And I thought that his, performance as Willard in this movie was really good. He plays Arvin, which is the Tom Holland character's dad. Um, and his character goes through a lot in, um, a short period of time. And he really seamlessly segues from, you know, he was, he was very conscious of the emotional state of his character at all time, never mm-hmm. faltering, always making sure that he was in the right frame of mind for what his character was going through. And it just, you could tell that he was living it um, because yep. it just, it just oozed over in his performance and he was just very good. There were a lot of people that I could have picked. Jason Clark was up there. Robert Pattinson was up there. Everybody in this movie was really good. I think the cast in a lot of ways carries this movie and, when it was all over, I was like, man, I think it's Bill Skarsgård for me. Mm-hmm. I thought he was great. Yeah, very much an ensemble piece. So these slots were very difficult to pick. Um, how about, you know, just winning the lottery, but with the last name of Skarsgård, because like all of those kids <laughs> and Stellan at the top, the dad, like. Oh, just, I'm telling you. Oh, like what? Like they're, they're just so gifted. Like, do they just sit around the table and be like, okay, I want you to be this kind of character. And today. <laughs> You'll do it in an English accent, or tomorrow yeah. you'll do it in our Norwegian tongue. Like it's just insane. And they're like, and here's the thing. So he was born in 1987, and when he was five, his dog died. His name was Charlie. It was his most favorite. <laughs> they're like, they're just like trying to capture all this stuff. You're 45 now. <laughs> and then um, they, yeah, they like snap. They're like, okay, 45, go, 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 go. Oh, oh man. man, that's that's its own little mini series right there. Just like uh, hanging out, keeping with the up scars with the scars guards. Yes. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. It can fill the Kardashian-shaped void in our life. Yes. Goodbye, Kardashians. <laughs> Showstopper? Is that yeah, let's next? do it. Let's do it. Uh, the story. The story of this film is absolutely incredible. I asked myself several times in this chaotic, disturbing, decrepit world, I'm like, does this stuff really happen? Like, am I am I sheltered or what's going on here? And then I thought to myself, I, I listened to this other pod, very famous podcast called My Favorite Murder. It's a true crime podcast mm-hmm. uh, where these two ladies discuss people who've murdered people. And I'm like, yeah, 
yeah, all of this stuff has happened uh, in some <laughs> regard. Uh, so I was like, all right, I'm, I'm still, I'm still here. So it was never over the top, right? So they never did something where it was like, they completely made that up. There's no way that would ever happen in the history of mankind. I was like, yikes, this could happen. Um, yeah, I better watch what I do. I better watch what I say. I better watch my choices. I better look over my shoulder. And when I'm in this part of the town or whatever it might be. And I was so thankful for it not going over the top because it had plenty of opportunities to do so. Um, so yeah, the story, the authentic, the, uh, the authentic story that they delivered was eerily accurate. Yeah. I mean, that's where I'm left too. Actually. I had that written down the story. Um, it's well-crafted. I think that it is intricate and it had to be paced a certain way and they had to shield us from certain facts until just the right time for us to sort of, I found myself like putting the puzzle pieces together just before they happened. And that Mm -hmm. was actually a nice viewing experience because you're like, Oh, this is about to, Oh my, you know, you're just kind of like, it was actually well-designed in that way. Whereas like, it's fun to be surprised, but it was actually, it was almost more enjoyable to like, Oh, I see where they're going here. You know, like I found myself doing that multiple times and every time I was horrified by where they were going, (laughs) but but it still was like a good, it was a good sensation while, while it was there. Yeah, they handed you the anticipation, and then they they said, "All right, now that you get it, live in it, and you're gonna watch this play out." <laughs> yeah, you're exactly right. Yes. Yeah. Great. Uh, Let's direct- do uh, director's shoes, Mister Director. Uh, so I watched this one quite some time ago, since we mm-hmm. now are recording. So I can't remember all of those nitpicky things that we sometimes do, um, but at the same time because I don't remember that's a good thing right because there is sometimes there are glaring issues so I got nothing good job okay <laughs> wow well done um, yeah and it was a I think it was a brother duo who wrote and directed this movie um, Campos right Campos yeah the, the Antonio Campos and his brother is the screenwriter I can't remember his name maybe you can find that while I'm thinking mm-hmm. of it but it was interesting I, I have to imagine they got some some sort of inspiration from the Coen brothers. Cause this movie had a feel like that, not exactly, but similar in some of the elements that they used. And so that was kind of interesting to see. Um, my director's shoes is the narrator tool that they used. I felt like was off texture mm. and actually more so than you would think. Like I thought that the narrator tool was really an odd choice. Um, in the movie and actually what I felt is that they, it felt like they were so concerned that people wouldn't understand the layers of complexity of their characters if they left it unspoken. Mm. And so there is a scene at the end of the movie where a character has gone through a bunch of things and they're like, they're the the narrator's literally voiceovering what they're thinking and I'm like no man like let the actor act and let us interpret what that is that is what good storytelling is we should know what he's thinking and we should know from the acting and we should know based on the story that you've told exactly what's going through his mind and there were multiple times through the film where they I just felt like they were giving color commentary it was almost like listening to um 
when they play do those play. commentaries on the on the movie, like special special features or something like that, where they're like, "Now see, so and so is actually like thinking this, feeling this. Here's what's happening." If they would have left that unsaid, I think it would have been very powerful because then it's a little more interpretive. It's a little more, um, just like significant. Like it, it just is more. It leaves you with something other than just a story. And what you're left with at the end of this movie is just a story. There's no room for interpretation. There's no room for really like depth or feeling or um, meaning or themes. Like they tell you everything that happened with the narrator feature. So for me, I was like, man, uh, a a director who does a really good job of this is Derek C in France. He does. um, He did the place beyond the pines in blue Mm -hmm. Valentine. Um, does a really good job of leaving a lot of stuff unsaid, but telling these amazingly intricate stories with these interconnected lives and how they all impact each other. And I think these guys could have taken a page out of his book and trusted their audience, which is, you know, hard to do because you want to make sure that your movie is a success, but Mm -hmm. trust them to interpret your story because they wrote a good one. Um, and it could have been interpreted without the narrator. So sure. That's my my note. That is a fantastic point. I, um, yeah, I forgot about that. And uh, what's funny is in my notes for now, the final thoughts and score, have you said that this film has an ending that I've never seen done uh, in a movie before? Um, and I think, uh, just as you said, the ending scene, the acting that Tom Holland does in this moment eclipses the narration in my mind. So mm-hmm. I was... I. I didn't even put it together. Now I'm going to have to go back and watch that final scene again to see if, if my opinion has changed. But I thought that because of how the story was laid out, that in this final scene, it just put it all together for me. Uh, you're so right. It's, it's, it is just a story. It's just a story. And there's no like overarching, like what is the world? You know, it's like, this is life. Uh, good luck. Uh, you know? So, that's so funny. That really changes my mind about some things or makes me question my life and my, and how I saw this movie. Um, but despite that, I'm going to stick with my score because I still love the, the ending performance. I still loved everything I saw and I'm excited to hear your score. I'm giving this bad boy. I wouldn't watch it again, but I'm giving this bad boy a 9.5 kernels out of 10. Wow. Yeah. Big, big, lots of popcorn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I, I think it illustrates a really interesting point, which is um, I think that is doing a movie that's just a story is totally fine. And that's why I yes. said Coen Brothers, because they do, they're masters of this. I mean, they do portrait pics where the thing ends and you're like, huh, what? Where, what, just, what did I just watch? But yeah. when you start to think about it, it is really powerful and there's some really cool stuff that they did and this movie had lots of really cool stuff that they did but where it missed the mark just slightly is the interpretation and i would have loved to have said oh man look at what tom holland's doing acting this is what he's thinking and here's how i know this because they the director showed us this back here and this is how i know um i I mean it was right there man it was right there but unfortunately that's that's a big mistake in my book. It's not huge, but it is it is big enough to lose some points um, because then I'm left with like, 
why why this story you know why this yeah. horribly depressing story so you're like me, let, let me make some decisions right yeah yeah so don't get me wrong incredible story love the way they weaved it together thought it was masterful thought it was great uh i'm giving a 7.6 out of 10 i thought it was a great movie um nice. i think they could have done better and we'll see maybe maybe next time around our our friends the campos brothers will trust us to be a little more interpretive with their with their uh passion project mm-hmm Cool. Well, that that was fun. Two movies, very different, both on Netflix for you to watch, both very good. Um, so you've got some some options on your watch list. But let's just say, again, for emphasis, The Devil All the Time is not for the faint at heart. Make sure that you've been through some rough movies before you check that one out. Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, let's move into the final portion of our show. I know it's been a long one, but we've had lots of... Inf- Lots of fun and lots of exciting things to talk about. The most fun part is now, Kirk, and it's going to feel like we didn't really build up to it. It's going to feel a little bit abrupt, but we're going to give our top five favorite movies of all time, starting at number five, and I will kick us off. You ready, Kirk? I'm going to set the tone early here. I just want to reiterate that um, this is an impossible task, and yes. I'm, I don't trust my decisions. And, and again, favorite not the movies that we perceive are the best. I know. But I the know. movies that we like the best. Okay. Is the kitchen the kitchen with Elizabeth Moss on your Dang list? It. You just <laughs> spoil my number five, Kirk. <laughs> um, no. I think it's last, actually. Last <laughs> in all the world. Oh, uh, good. Okay. Number five. They do move in herds. Jurassic Park. It's got to be Jurassic Park. Uh-huh. Couldn't Couldn't have a top five without my buddy... Steve Spielberg, the goat, um, great score, amazing production quality still holds up all the puppets and like animatronics and stuff that they use actually play really well nowadays. Um, Sam Neill, Lord Dern, Jeff Goldblum, iconic. So, so good. Can't say enough about Jurassic park. I I was, I was like between this and jaws and I love jaws. Don't get me wrong. Um, but Jurassic Park just is cool, you know, and it, it has a, it's just so iconic. I couldn't, I could not pick it. Great choice. Um, my number five, gonna go with Goodfellas. Ooh, love Mr. it. Mr. Love Martin Scorsese. It. You know, I've got this big love of the mafia. Um, uh, I'm Irish, so I could have, you know, snuck in there. You know, just finagled my way in there, of course. But uh, whatever, if I was living in that time. Love it. I love De Niro. I love Joe Pesci. I love Martin Scorsese. I love um, Leo. I love Jack. I love them all. I love them all. I love how they do it. And I can't wait for whatever the next Mafia movie is. And so Goodfellas really reshaped a lot of my love for a whole new genre inside of cinema. Yep. Yeah, dude. Such a great movie. I watched it for the first time. Um, earlier this year at the beginning mm-hmm. of the quarantine, I, I was trying to chop my way through a couple of Scorsese's that I had missed. Goodfellas was shamefully on that list and it was so good. So great yeah. choice. Um, Ray, Ray Liotta, man for the Woo. win. So, such a good performance. I had only known him from Karina Karina with Whoopi Goldberg and loved that film so much. Mm-hmm. And then I saw, I was like, this is why people love him like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Exactly. This That's the one. That's the legacy. Builder. So yeah. 
Good call. Okay, number four on my list. We just talked about the Coen Brothers. I'm going with the pretty dark Coen Brothers film, No Country for Old Men. Um, Josh Brolin, Javier Bardem. It was an adaptation of a Cormac McCarthy novel, which is really good. Um, this movie, I had seen many Coen Brothers movies heading into this one. This one really felt like no holds barred, and they just went for it. And Cormac McCarthy and the Coen Brothers is just a perfect marriage because I think that this story is so surprising in so many ways and you just cannot predict what is coming and the ending and just all of it i really think it's one of the better movies if we were doing top five best overall movies it might even make an appearance in that list because i just feel like we've not had a better best picture winner in recent memory uh than than no country for old men i think it is a next tier up um Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In terms of storytelling and in terms of movie quality, I just love it. It's so, so great. Number four. Excellent. Now, my number four, you said it earlier, Jaws. Yes. I love this movie. Um, I, you know, when I took film as lit in uh, as, as a senior or junior in high school, whatever it might have been, I... What my my world was opened. I already loved film so much, and then shout out to Mr. Rogers once more. He he really showed me what amazing things could be told in stories on film, and there is so much happening in Jaws more so than just a story about three dudes trying to kill this great white shark. Uh, so it's it's really incredible. Um, it stays with me. It's one of mine and. Aubrey's favorite films we we often reference it and it's it's just it's one of my favorite films to watch so it's so fun exciting always a little bit scary and the jump scares still get me in it I've seen this movie a hundred times like, <laughs> they're they high still quality get me. dude like it just tells you how perfect it is so Jaws yes can't say enough about that one that's a great pick all right my next two picks are a little odd these are this is where the list gets personal right because it's favorite movies so there's a couple in here I think will surprise some people. The first of which is Wes Anderson's Fantastic Mr. Fox. Um, this is such an incredible movie. It's stop motion. Um, when I saw it, my my jaw was just on the floor. I was like, what are they doing here? They've adapted this like kids movie into a hilarious like Wes Anderson comedy film with this incredible stop motion animation with amazing voice talents like George Clooney and Meryl Streep and all the Wes Anderson staples um, alongside them. And it just, it's, it has everything. It's hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's complex. The characters are very real, even though they're animals, like they have some, they're, they're archetypes that you're familiar with, but not, they're not like trite or cliche or anything like that. And I just think it's really great. I think, you can show it to kids almost any age and then all the way through adulthood and it, it just has something for everybody. So I love all that Wes Anderson does and I think most people don't have this movie number one on their Wes Anderson list, but for me it is absolutely number one. Beautiful. Number three, The Social Network. Ooh, good pick, Kirk. David Fincher. Oh, yes, sir. All about Facebook. uh, uh our boy um andrew garfield justin timberlake's in this you know this this movie this movie uh was groundbreaking because it wasn't 
so it wasn't so far removed from Facebook, you know, being invented and it was like fully in our lives. It's still fully in our lives. I don't go a day without looking at Facebook and seeing that backstory kind of play out and seeing the dramatized version of it and just see such incredible performances. Um, I've said it before and I'll, I'll say this to the day I die. If it shows up on TBS, I'm dropping everything else I'm doing and I'm watching that movie all the way through. Uh, it's, it's just so easy to watch. It's so fascinating and incredible performances. The social network. Yeah, dude. Also the Trent Reznor score, man, Academy award winning score. So good. It's he redefined. Um, I, I don't think that's an understatement. I think he redefined, scoring a film and so many yes. rock stars have have exited the rock star arena to show their musical virtuoso by following in his footsteps and scoring movies and the film industry is better for it so that's such a great pick okay i'm on number two now this one is totally personal it is a good movie don't get me wrong um but it's moneyball it's moneyball for me the subject matter is so interesting to me brad pitt is one of my favorite actors of all time um Great performances, incredible story, different story than you're used to hearing in sports movies, um, really well executed, and I cannot get enough of this movie. I watched it just the other night. I've watched it probably a hundred times. Um, it's the best. I love Moneyball. It's so, so good. Excellent choice. I knew that had to show up somewhere. Um, yes, sir. And you probably know my next two. Number two, Moulin Rouge. Number two? Number two. Ooh, I am intrigued. Number two. Um, I feel like um, my I, I, I should be somehow distantly related to you and McGregor. Um, at least if I'm not, I want to figure out a way to do that. So if anyone can like draw, you know, six degrees of separation from me and you and McGregor, please figure it out and please make sure we're on the same bloodline. Uh, I love him. I love Nicole Kidman. I love John Leguizamo. I love everyone in that cast i sing that stuff randomly every single day <laughs> it's it's so stupid how it's just ingrained in, in my head and uh i mean it, it it's i have always been a sucker for romance stories and the melodramatic uh love story in this is so perfectly done um and it hurts so bad and it, you feel every emotion that you feel like when you're a teenager in love. Uh, and I still, I still feel that when I watch that. So I love Moulin Rouge, Moulin Rouge. Love it. Great call. Good stuff. Um, okay. Number one, this is what it all comes down Ooh. to, man. This is for all the marbles, my favorite movie ever. And this has, I will say while the rest of the list fluctuates, this one has been there since the, year of 2008 it has been at the top of my list and it will probably be there for the foreseeable future christopher nolan's the dark knight and do i even need to say anything about this movie i will because i love it so much <laughs> it redefined the superhero genre it was the first really oscar quality drama to live in the superhero genre to deal with my favorite superhero of all time Batman to have an Academy Award winning performance from Heath Ledger, who um, unfortunately won it posthumously, but was so deserving. Just an iconic movie, a movie that defines cinema for a generation. I mean, it, Chris Nolan was at the top of his game, still is, but this movie was, in my opinion, that's his magnum opus. It's, yes. it's incredible. So it has to be The Dark Knight. 
easily. Um, it's hilarious. My number one is also a Christopher Nolan film, going with Inception. Inception. I yeah. knew it. <laughs> um, I would also love to be related to Leonardo DiCaprio because I feel like while I couldn't be his brother um, or son, I could be his uh, long lost cousin. I think if I shaved and I dyed my hair black, I think that <laughs> I could I could make things work. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. He he just he's incredible. Of course, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is in this film as well as he is in The Dark Knight and. Uh, I just this movie cha- also changed my life uh, with how I view uh, film and cinema and how I relate to the stories on, on film and so this it really was just uh, it, it has to be number one love it incredible choice man we just did our top five favorite movies that's crazy I, I you want to do honorable mentions that were like right behind it that I couldn't decide where they should go well, Jaws was on my list. Okay. What else you got? I've got eight because I was like, yeah, go moving and shifting. The Departed, Goodwill Hunting, In Bruges, Sing Street, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Star Trek with Chris Pine, The Town with Ben Affleck, and Godfather Part One. Yep, I had um, The Departed as well. I had to get Marty Scorsese in on the act. Um, I had Star Wars. I actually went with A New Hope rather than Return of the Jedi because I just think that that's the first and it's so great. Yeah. Um, what else did you say? There was another one that triggered something for me. Same street in Bruce, goodwill hunting, star Trek, the town Godfather part one, once upon a time in Hollywood. No. Oh, Oh, inglorious bastards. I was going to say, I had yeah. a Tarantino on my list and that's the one for me. So, um, yeah. Guardians of the galaxy was right there Guardians as of the well. Big La- fan of that movie. La La Land. La La Land. Hello. Oh Let's... man. La La Land. So. Technically perfect. I love that movie. Um, well, guys, that's it. Number 50. Kirk, we made it to episode 50. I'm not doing anything fancy to sign off. I got nothing to plug. I mean, I have plenty of things to plug, but I'm not going to. Yeah. I just want to end it. Um, Kirk, both of us, I'll speak for both of us. So thankful for you guys for listening, watching, subscribing, downloading, liking, commenting, sharing, all the stuff that you guys have done to support this podcast. It is super fun to pull it together for you guys every week. We will continue to do it until it stops being fun. I do not see that coming anytime soon. Um, We've got big, big plans for this podcast well beyond episode 50 and well beyond even this podcast. So we can't wait to see what's next. Thank you guys for listening so much. Kirk, do you have anything to add? Nope. 50. I'm going to do 50 punches. One and two. No, I'm cutting that off. I'm gonna I'm gonna play you out like the Oscars. <laughs> All right, guys. Special thanks to our executive producer Ryan Spriggs, and our original music is by the group called Rhetoric. We're still trying to get those guys on for an interview, but COVID scheduling and whatnot. Until then, we'll see you guys in two weeks. Talk to you then.